Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Vesselbrods.com, comic book podcast. As always, I'm your host, The Dead Man. Joe, today we have Birdie. Hi. And Nico. Yo. And yeah, so um, just letting you guys know ahead of time that for the next like week or two, or next show or two, maybe, uh, audio is going to be off the master mix instead of the usual individual recordings mashed together. Because uh, we're having some technical issues with with some individuals' audios and like the post processing that we do on them, uh, so for just now we're going to be working on that in the background. But still want to put out a show, so master mix because that usually works out pretty well. But anyway, we got a double dose of event shit to talk about. Yep. So you want to do the one that only I read because I'm a fucking idiot. <laughs> or do we want to go with the ongoing one that we've talked about already? <laughs> it's up, up to you. I mean, I do want to talk about the ongoing one, but uh, if you want to get the other one out of the way, I'd rather. <laughs> yeah, sure. Let's talk about Secret be... Empire. It yeah. sucks. Yeah. Yeah. So they released a Secret Empire issue zero. And that's required reading. Because this just goes into it. Secret, Secret Empire 1. Mm-hmm. Like Secret Empire 1 starts out with... Um, I'm pretty sure... Let me double check to make sure I actually remember this properly. Yeah, Secret Empire starts out with a guy dropping his kid off at school uh, where they are taught that... Where, they're, where they are taught that, like, hey, fucking history is... The history that you've been learning up till now... You know, 15-year-olds, it's all been a lie. Everything is fucking terrible. You know, fucking the Allied forces, they rewrote history so that so that everybody believed that it was, you know, that Hydra was evil and stuff. Mm-hmm. And then some kid's brothers, then some kid's brother gets arrested for being an inhuman who pukes up Captain America lunchboxes. I don't know. Meanwhile, fucking the world's worst superhero, Carol Danvers, is stuck in space being attacked by wave after wave of Chitari with a bunch of other superheroes because Cap tricked them all by going and tricked them all into space, then put up a fucking shield around the planet that nobody can get through. Also, Mm. New York is just like in a shadow bubble. And he also has like his own fucking army of Avengers. And I don't know hmm. how. So, so like, like there's so, no explanation for it. Like all of a sudden he just not that army. I've been able to not that I've been able to find like it like it's Thor Odinson, interesting Deadpool, Scarlet Witch, the Vision, Black Ant, Taskmaster, and the Superior Octopus. What? What's the superior octopus? Uh, that is uh, Doctor Octopus took over Spider Man's body and then like stopped being coy about it. Wait, but how is he even around still? Like, is that what's going on in the Spider Man books? No, nope. I thought. No, nope, I don't. He not. isn't. It isn't. I don't know what the fuck's going on because this seems like an alternate reality. Like they are fucking. Oh, we need to get the cosmic cube and shit. We need to fucking do all this and whatever, and. Oh, and so maybe the cosmic cube is making this reality then, just like it has been. But 
they hadn't established that in mm. in previous things, like in anything else that I've read in my very limited readings of the you know Steve Rogers side of the equation of this. Right. Because I read that first fucking Hail Hydra thing, and I was like, well, fuck this. Yeah. Well, I've also, I mean, there's been no note of it in Sam Wilson, because I've continued reading that up till like, an issue ago. So Yeah, and so, like, in the, in that stuff, I've really seen no, I've seen no real mm. thing about this, and based on what I have Based on what's happened so far, it's been like a couple of weeks since Hydra took over, but it feels like it's been a few years or that they did the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. thing where where they are in some fucking alternate reality where time where like shit got reworked so that he, like fucking Hydra took over way back in the day. Hmm. That's what this feels like. This feels so, like a worse iteration of that of the, like this past like season long, or at least like one quarter of a season of Ages of Shield, <laughs> which is unfortunate because that's because that quarter season of Ages of Shield was really fucking good. Mm. They were doing a lot of really cool things with that and showing off like this really interesting and really well thought out uh, alternate world. And this is just, this feels like it's trying to capitalize on that without putting in any of the legwork needed in order to get that to feel like anything of substance. This just feels, hey, yeah, we watched that show. It's pretty good. Let's just do that. Mm-hmm. Welcome to Marvel's modern event comics, Dead Man. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, fuck. But I'm still confused as to. Is he is Nick Spencer really just jumping ahead and not explaining that it's the Cosmic Cube, or is he really just doing a really shitty job of explaining what has actually happened so far in this event? Because that's that's troublesome that you're telling me you don't even know why they're they are where they are, and there was a zero issue. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so, yeah like, there, there was a zero issue where in that it was in the in the zero issue cap goes up to a fucking. Hydra base in the goddamn Himalayas or something where an old man is using a fucking pool of melted butter to tell the future. And so then Cap walks into that pool and then he's just not there anymore. Mm -hmm. People are fighting the Chitauri. New York's fucking on fire. Because of course it is. And then Cap fucking executes the plan. He sends in Nitro. You know that guy from that Civil War thing that everybody loved? Nitro, yeah. Yeah, so sends that guy into fucking New York. All, all Everything's on fucking fire. Gets the shield up. Keeps everybody trapped out. And then... Like... Takes over the country world. Locks New York in a bubble. I sounds like it's causing you pain trying to explain this. <laughs> yeah, I'm re- physical pain. I am rereading issue zero as I'm <laughs> trying to speak about it. <laughs> and yeah, like it. Yeah. And yeah, like it, it's never it's never said like, hey, yeah, this is a whole new world now. It's just Cap reveals, hey, we're all Hydra, takes over the White House, and then the world is his. Mm-hmm. 
Ugh. That was very convoluted for an event. It's bad. I don't know. It's bad. Yeah. I'm not even just no. Fuck this. I'm done. Well, I finally tapped out on the uh, the Sam Wilson book for um, going into this event from Nick Spencer too, and I and I I was like, you know, with all the co- all the bullshit that's been stirred up due to Nick Spencer writing these books, I just uh, or just Nick Spencer you know, period. I, yeah, yeah, just his comments online and and the cat book. Despite everything that happened with that, I just didn't think it was a good book. Like I was not even just arguing the fact that I'm not reading this because of this Nazi thing. Like I, I you know, I, I defended the fact that he was, you know, he was making these choices to put in like these his right at least to do it these world life event type stuff into the storylines, but it's just too much. It's too much bad shit going on in the world. And I just couldn't take it anymore. Reading the fucking a comic about that kind of shit. I just didn't really want to read it anymore. Like I was, that's why I talked out. I just, I, it was too much. It was just too much. The shit that he was putting into it. And, and the fact that it's not even like a fun book anymore, like at all. Like, yeah, like and- I thought it was re- you know, like with the Serpent Society, that was funny. Like the wolf, cap wolf thing. Yeah, like, like I was on yeah, board like, at like that point. In the beginning, it was fine, but then Hydra Cap happened, and then everything started going downhill. Yeah, and it really threw the Sam Wilson book uh, into a whole other direction as well. And it's also really um, weird. Just, I think Marvel writers forgot that like Hydra is Nazis. Mm-hmm. Right, like like a buddy of mine who keeps up keeps up more on this stuff because apparently he straight up hates Nick Spencer, like actually dis- act- is actually disgusted by him. A lot of people are. He's got yeah. a bad name. Yeah, like for himself. Uh, and I, oh, he, like you like, yourself have also defended some of his stuff that he's done. Like we've liked his other works. Yeah, right? we, we've liked we've liked him yeah. as a writer before, but then right. this stuff happened, and now like Magneto's a member of Hydra. Because you know oh, that, because really? you know that makes sense, right? He's well. I mean, he is like, isn't he German or from Germany or so? uh, Austria? He, he's or? Romani. Yeah. Okay. He is German too. <laughs> yeah. His. Yeah. Uh, well, was it was it Jew or Romani? Uh, no, he ended up in the death camps. I assume Jew, but yeah, I he was in the death camps. Yeah. But yeah, like, true. A lot of people ended up in those death camps. But either way. Yeah, it is just like Nick Spencer just taking like every character who would like who should be like, hey, you know, Nazis, maybe not. And like, hey, yeah, Nazis, they sound like a good idea. Mm-hmm. <laughs> OK, no, he was. Jewish. I, I... Yeah, OK, but he was. Yeah, but then see, I it's not that it was Germany. He, he, because of that, he was. Yeah, he was in Germany at that time and. Uh, yeah. Middle class German, yeah. yeah, middle class German Jewish family. Yeah. Huh. Yep. I mean, I don't even have a problem with like the, you know, like some of the political stuff that he was putting in it, because like I said, it's it's like it's of its time. Like I get it. Like he was trying to be smart. It doesn't even seem like he's not trying. Like he genuinely seems like he like these books that he's been writing. Like most of the time are almost overwritten. There's so much in a lot of these issues that he's been doing of Cap and all that. Like at least the Sam Wilson ones I've been reading. Like it's I don't know. It's just it's I just don't. It just had enough of it. And 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 his online persona is not helped. Like I know that a lot of people have hated him now just because. He's so sensitive that he's one of those people that like he responds to all like the trolls, like you know what I mean, like and it's to the point yeah. now where like they're putting him as a big name, but he hasn't really earned his 
is like chops. Like he hasn't he hasn't earned that right for them to keep broadcasting him as this big writer over at Marvel. And like, sure, he's done some good projects, but he's still kind of I think he's relatively new. In. He's relatively like yeah. not known. I mean, like, like like most of his stuff that he's known for is like Morning Glories. And yeah, like, yeah, it's like it's, it's, it's it, it is like all kinds of <laughs> it's, it's all kinds of like cult creator owned books. Right. I think it was put in charge of like five different main books at fucking Marvel or something. Yeah. Yeah. He's doing this I big mean, fucking event. Yeah. I don't know. Anyways, I just wanted to state that because I, I, I was a supporter of his work prior to like what's going on lately. I just I haven't been digging a lot of the stuff he's been writing. Yeah. Like I'm still going to end up getting that fucking second volume of Bedlam. Bedlam was great. Yeah. Bedlam was yeah. fucking amazing. Yeah. Yeah. He's actually doing a book over at Image too that's not bad. The it's fix? called The Fix. Yeah. Which is with that Steve Lieber, the guy he did um Superior Foes with. And that that's been all right, but it's it's definitely not as good as Superior Foes was. Superior Foes, in my opinion, was probably the best thing he's written that I've enjoyed. Yeah. Um Bedlam was great too. Bedlam was great too, but it was it was for um different reasons. Like that was a very dark book, right? Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> so you can't exactly have yeah. a lot of good time, happy, fun stuff when a bunch of when a bunch of fucking victims of child abuse are standing on rooftops with machine guns, metal wings, and their dicks cut off. Yeah, that was fucking weird. <laughs> uh, yeah, that was and I've bad. already and I've already did the fucking rundown of all the major plot points that happened in Morning Glories. Let's not go back there, please. Oh, let's go back to us, please. All right, let's let me just pull that up. No, no, <laughs> no, no morning glory stock. Oh, makes my head hurt. <laughs> yeah, fuck Secret Empire. Yeah, less fuck though is the button. The button. The button. I, I love this. I, I've really had a good. lot of fun with this one. Actually. It is really yeah. good. This is really fucking good. <laughs> yeah. Talk about doing a crossover, right? This is, it's been great. Yeah. It. I, so we just got this past uh, week or so. Uh, we got the third volume, third issue of the button in Batman 22, mm-hmm. where Bruce Wayne meets his dad. He's bat dad. And it's kind of great. Yeah. Yeah, and then the issue prior to this too, I guess last week because we didn't get to talk about that one either on the last show. Oh yeah, so the Flash Twenty One, tw- tw- Flash Twenty One. Uh, that was basically just a, a Batman and uh, Flash detective teaming up. Yeah, it's awesome. <laughs> it was like yeah, it's, it's it was them both doing their detective work. It's something that I didn't actually know that I wanted until the fucking right. Flashpoint happened, and I was like, oh right, yeah, they're both detectives, kind of. Yeah, I mean, they, like he surveyed the crime scene, uh, the Flash, um, as Bruce was trying to heal from getting, you know, beaten the shit out of. By, well, as uh, Alfred was trying but, to heal him, he was just like, "Fuck you, Alfred! I want to go do crime stuff." <laughs> but it's funny because he's like, "Did you check this? Did you check?" It? And like, Flash just like looks at him and he's like, "Please, come on, it's like, like, bitch! <laughs> I am a fucking CSI. Here. I know what I'm doing. Yeah. I know how to work a scene." <laughs> Yeah, no, Batman, Batman, Flash, uh, Detective Adventures. Uh, I I can read a whole comic of that like on a monthly basis. Oh yeah, it's totally. really fun. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Batman Twenty Two, like you said, uh, also really good. His dad showed back up, and it really it it 
if it took the best parts, I think of um, Flashpoint almost, and 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 is putting some of it in this crossover. Uh, I think um, I've gotten a good Flashpoint, like you know, like I I I don't think Flashpoint was that bad. It, no, it Flash, Flashpoint was good. It. Flashpoint was actually pretty yeah. good. It's just what Flashpoint wrought. Right. Um, but you know, like you, you see a reappearance of the cosmic, uh, whatever the hell it's called, the um, cosmic treadmill. Yeah, cosmic treadmill, and uh, you know, uh, reverse flash. He finally catches up to him by the end of this issue. Prior to him actually showing up with the button to that issue where he we seen him get killed. Yeah, the first. So, like, the, the, prior yeah, to the first so issue, he, all this. Yeah, so Batman has that heart-to-heart with his father where he kind of basically says to him, I don't want you to continue being Batman. Yeah, just he actually says, uh, let Batman die. Find happiness. Go be a dad yeah. to your fucking kid. Like, I know there's a lot of fan-servicing moments in this, but it felt right. It felt like a DC book, like an actual DC book from like back when they were actually... Like yeah, like fl- prior to Flashpoint, where there was some, you know, some really and and the, what the New Fifty Two brought was just a lot of shit. Yeah, and so there, like, and, there, and I mean? there was a, there were a couple moments in here that I actually really enjoyed. Um, like when um, so when they arrive in uh in Thomas Wayne's Batcave, um, he is being invaded. He's being on set by the <laughs> Allied armies of Themyscira and Atlantis. Because you know that's still a thing. And so, and so as the two, and so as Bruce is trying to have a heart to heart, his dad just like, yo, dude, dude, we got problems. So they get into this big fucking fist fight. And before that, he like pulls out a gun and Bruce just immediately just fucking batarang into the gun. Yeah. And then, and then at the end when the fucking, when I guess the crisis on infinite earth's wave hits him. Instead of going in there, like fucking guns blazing as usually does, he goes in there, batarangs out. Yeah, no, it, it, uh, there was some really great moments with with his dad. I, I liked that. It kind of cut, and then he he basically they cut back to a scene of what something that he told Bruce when he was a kid about kind of standing up, you know, after yep. being knocked down type of thing, you know. And we rise. Yep. And he kind of just goes fall, into the I mean, just fucking runs into that yeah. shit. Then the yeah, and then you base. Yeah. It's that was an awesome pretty and and, and great Jason Fabok again just putting in motherfucker really this guy yeah yeah he's very good very good I uh, I really uh, I mean he definitely has like one of those DC like good house styles like something like an Ivan Reese or something like that you would expect from like our uh, Ethan Van Skyver maybe back in the day yeah maybe not as much right now but. Um, but yeah, it's, it it looks really really good. Um, and and you know the one thing I will I will say though to um, not to always bring up the fact that Birdie in the past has said things about Tom King disparaging comments. <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually no, I'm going to say something though that he was right. He is right about. Did you notice anything strange about Batman Twenty Two, uh, Dead Man, in uh, particular? How so? Uh, Tom King did not script this. Josh Williamson did. And if you read the book, and I have about halfway through, I did a double take because I'm like, this doesn't sound like a Tom King book. And like, it, it, this doesn't sound like it. And then I looked back and I didn't realize when I started reading it, but Josh Williamson actually wrote this Batman 22 issue. Uh, Tom King did not. He So he wrote the last Flash issue and he wrote this Batman issue. Uh, Tom King just kind of helped... Uh, 
plot it with him. Oh, but it, it did. But if you read it and and like Bertie had said, like something in the past about when you read the vision about the way, like he writes, like, I don't know. I think Bertie, I don't know. You said something about, you didn't like the way he, he, he wrote or the way he, he came off in that book. Right. Like his voice almost. Right. What I said was that I feel like he writes like the readers are idiots. Mm -hmm. So I'm not like agreeing in, in that sense, but at the same time, he does definitely have a certain voice now that I'm used to reading that I get. And I did realize like, that's why I mean halfway through this issue that it was not him writing it. So whether or not that's a good thing or a bad thing, because I do enjoy his writing, it, he definitely has a way of the, of structuring his, his, um, his dialogue, I think in, 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 in this book. Like the like even the way like he sets up he does sets up uh, set up for most issues and the way that he has Batman and all the other characters talking with this, some inner monologue as well. This was very much not his style of writing. I found yeah. and I thought it was good because I like Josh Williamson and I think for a more superhero-y crossover, at least this part of it, other than the the startup that Tom King wrote, I think that it's been much better that he's been taking on the reins of of writing these issues. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, but yeah, I just, I just want to point that out because I think that he definitely, he definitely has a style now of writing where I think um, you, I can, I, I realized not right away, but about, like I said, uh, quite a bit in that it was not him writing it. So I just thought that was weird. And I, it looks like Josh Williams, gonna, Josh Williamson's going to write the next flash issue too. I thought maybe Tom King and then would have switched over, but no, it looks like he's just going to probably finish out the, um, the event here. As far as I know. Okay. So yeah, it's been good. I've, I've really enjoyed it. I, yeah, definitely. I, this is, even though it's not a full on DC event, like proper thing, this does feel like the biggest and kind of best thing DC has been doing in terms of their like universe wide event kind of things in years. Yeah, I mean, I think it's just also because they made a lot of smart choices, in my opinion. Like, the fact that they waited a year into a Rebirth to actually address the Watchmen thing. Um, and also that they're doing it uh, with a crossover uh, between two books uh, as opposed to a big event. I mean, yeah, the they're probably going to make the most Watchmen sense. event. Yeah, and 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 I've I've been enjoying both these books uh, on their own. So it was it was nice for a crossover where I wasn't being dragged into books I wasn't currently reading. Um, but but also I'm sure there's going to be an actual proper Watchmen event coming down the line at some point. Yeah, probably. Maybe Jeff Johns. That's what he's going to be returning to. I don't know, but it's but I think for the purposes of this crossover, it's been great and re- done really well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, so yeah, good job <laughs> yeah. to DC. <laughs> yep. So, part four is on sale next week. We talk about that when that comes out. Is that the last issue of it? It's... I think so. Yeah. Okay. And don't forget, you get it with a lenticular cover. <laughs> Did you guys hear that they that these issues there is the cover with the button was actually banned in some places in Europe? <laughs> Did, I'd have to do a search for it. Yeah, there were some countries where um, the actual smiley face was a um, you, you weren't allowed to have that because it's like some sort of uh, 
copyright issue for some reason. The huh. Button. Yeah, I'm not sure why. Weird. Anyway. Yeah. Huh. <sighs> like I stuff at the top of the show out of the way. The birdie. Um, Did you enjoy your nap? I was listening. It's just I <laughs> have no input on any on either of these except to answer I know, the I question. Know, I know that was the joke. <laughs> you have anything, myself, you have anything to say? So you just like fucking get a little power nap in just like fucking twenty minutes. Yeah, that's like me when you guys talk about Power Rangers. <laughs> <laughs> I was asking myself, why am I here? <laughs> I could be doing something. What am I contributing to this? <laughs> oh, go ahead. <laughs> Just feverishly yeah. emailing resumes. Yeah. All right. So um, th- now that's finally finished, I-, I finished reading Strange Fruit. Finally, I don't know if either of you remember me talking about this a few months. Back. Oh yeah, I think so. A uh, story by J.G. Jones and Mark Wade about um, a town in Mississippi in 1927 dealing with a flood that has a weird supernatural twist to it. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I remember a bit of that, that. The supernatural twist in question being that a black man was abducted by aliens and given a device that increased his intelligence and physical strength to near Superman levels. Huh. <laughs> Neat. And the only way this really matters is that it it allows him to understand the world and physics in such a way that he does Herculean tasks of intellect and Herculean feats of strength to save people from floods and fix dikes or bring down an entire bridge and fix a, a broken levee by himself. And the only thing for stopping him is a KKK guy with a box full of dynamite. Naturally. And, and a sheriff who's upset that the man in question did not enjoy being arrested, so he just went through the wall. <laughs> okay. So the town is saved. The town is saved, and conveniently, um, he managed to survive... Thanks to the device on his arm, which was giving him his abilities, he just he survived having a box of dyna- uh, several pieces of dynamite dumped on him, and then the KKK member is abruptly killed, wildly coyote style, by his own pile of dynamite. Jesus Christ! <laughs> no, not that. Not that. I just looked up a review for the fucking last issue. Zero out of ten, apparently, from Comicosity. Okay. Zero uh, out of ten. Does I it say give a comic zero? <laughs> uh, let's see I'm here. actually vaguely curious because I really enjoyed this, honestly. In the final analysis, this- it's impossible to know what Wade and Jones actually intended through the act of reading Strange Fruit because they've rendered the surface level of it completely inscrutable. So the only reasonable conclusion to reach is that it's a naked reflection of American anti-black racism that contributes nothing of note to whatever discourse it was, it was seeking to participate in. Okay, that seems... Basically just, hey, this thing was written by white guys, so it can't really, I don't know. 
That's that's I that's another thing I see. Like I see about I see about <laughs> like there are a bunch of other reviews that have been brought up when I just kind of search, you know, hey, strange fruit, Mark Wade, and a lot of them are like, and a couple of them were like, yeah, so what was a book about racism written by two white guys? I don't know. I said that thing's weird. Yeah, that sounds like interpreting what a book is. I mean, it's very clear that racism was part of the story. You know an intelligent, strong black man who isn't immediately afraid of racist white people. Yeah. I guess in Mississippi. So you'd have to talk about race, I assume, but it's not really about that. It's just a part of the story. So saying, Oh, this is, this is racist. It's talking about race, but it's two white people talking about black people and their experience with race, you know, zero at the tens. That, that's kind of, there's also an essay that I found called The White Privilege, White Audacity, and White Priorities of Strange Fruit Number 1. Whatever. I don't care. It's, it's not what I took from the story if other people decided to read a white privileged look on racism at it. Fine. That's not what I took from it. I, I would just say for a book that looks painted, it's it works remarkably well as a comic book because I've, I've we've remarked on this before that sometimes with a more painted art style it's hard to convey the passage of events from one panel to the next but i don't think that's a problem here with uh mm-hmm. jg jones because i think clearly this was a passion project for him and he got mark wade to help him write it because he wanted to show mm-hmm. this story and it's pretty impressively showed it and there's an intent there's a thing i kind of like at the end because throughout the whole all four issues, everything looks kind of faded and browned out. And you discover at the end of it that this is being told as like a moving pictures news story. Okay. So it's sort of, it's like one of those old serials, like the original mm-hmm. 1920s Batman thing, just mm-hmm. told with the perspective of a giant a- black man who was abducted by aliens and given supernatural powers. Uh, mm-hmm trying to survive in a racist Mississippi town mm-hmm. while a flood could potentially wipe out the entire valley. Yeah, that sounds decent, actually. This, uh, I'm going to look this up. It's only four issues, you said? Yeah, it's only four issues. Okay. Yeah, I'll check it out. Yeah. And they're a little longer than most issues, but they're not um, whom gods destroy long. Right. So, uh, <laughs> Well, thank God. Uh, yeah, because I'd be like, well, I'm not reading this. <laughs> <laughs> Could be the best book ever. I'm like, nope, I'm out. Yep, peace. <laughs> Done. Uh, but, um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I read that, that's those reviews kind of baffle me because those sound like people are looking for an issue to complain about more than actually just reading the story and interpreting it on its own values. I mean, yeah. Can you interpret the race thing that way? Sure. But I mean, I've argued for years that I thought blacks that some black people are racist against themselves for supporting the way Tyler Perry portrays black people. But I, I'm not having that argument because it goes nowhere. So yeah, we're here to talk about fucking comic books, people. <laughs> and as a as as a story that's interesting to read, I think despite the weird, I'm not sure why he felt the need to go abducted by aliens, black man given superhuman intel- intellect and strength. 
it, it, it kind of re- reads like a um, like a more sci-fi take on like the the John Henry Irons story. Okay. Where it's sort of like this one guy with massive with um, impressive physical abilities does all these feats of myth and legend, and then just disappears, and no one ever speaks of who he was or where he went. But it's better than Steel. <laughs> no, because Steel was was they tried to say that that was their John Henry uh, as well. Wait, if you are we talking about the Shack movie? Or of course, no. Okay. <laughs> no, I mean, naturally. No, no. <laughs> Is there any other Steel that's worth talking about? No. Uh, uh, yeah. If you've read Fifty Two, there is. Yeah, yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, yeah um, go on. I mean, and uh, like I said, it's it's a unique art style. I know I talked about it a little bit um, the last time I mentioned it, and it's been a while, but it is sort of like painted pictures strung together to tell a visual story, which it's not always easy to do. Sometimes you get the issue of they look pretty, but they don't com- they don't convey the story. So it's just a series of panels rather than a narrative. So, yeah, I'm enjoying all that. Um, and the fact that it's four issues just over and done with and right. pretty remarkably good throughout. And talking, you get a really good sense of the characters in this town and the way this town works, which I always appreciate, where you can uh, not just see a world, but see how it functions so that we don't have another uh, dark crystal, right, Dead Man? <laughs> oh, fuck that movie. Uh, Jesus Christ. So yeah. <laughs> but yeah, um, for a four issue mini um, and for such a unique art style, was the an interesting, if somewhat unwarranted sci- um, sci-fi entry into a far more grounded story. It was enjoyable, I think. Mm-hmm. I would recommend it, particularly since it's four issues and they're not four punishingly long issues. Mm-hmm. Right, cool. Yeah, it's Mark, Mark, Mark Wade. I mean, he's got a pretty good track record. Yep, yeah. which is the only reason I'm considering buying Archie comics. They're really They're good. good. They're good. Yeah, they are. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it doesn't always feel like an old 40, 50 year old dude is writing them. I don't even know how old Mark Wade is, but you know, he actually does a good job, I think. Of uh, yeah, it's of, uh, it, yeah. it's it's less somebody writing for the youth, yo. <laughs> right, as opposed to somebody yeah. just writing Greetings, decent young characters. young people. <laughs> yeah, it's like what is up, Lip Fam Squad? How be it hanging? <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's Lit Fam. Seventeen fire emojis. <laughs> It's like, yo, here's this this issue where fucking, oh my god, Reggie stole Dilton's fucking fidget spinners. What are we going to (laughs) do? Yeah, it's not not as bad like that. It feels like classic Archie, but still kind of modernized. Yeah, just fucking good old boy. Kind of a a dope. Yeah, Mark Wade's 55. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I mean. I think he does a. I mean, Mark Wade was always for a time uh, was like the golden age go to guy. You know what I mean? Like for DC, like he wrote like the classic him and like Kurt Busiek. So until he burned all his bridges over at DC. 
<laughs> now he's never allowed back there. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, and it, I yeah. recommend this, and it's not that expensive to get. Nice. All right. All right, cool. So, Miko. All right, um, Supergirl being super. Uh, talk about this. It's, I believe, it was. It's going to be a four-issue miniseries overall, but it's being printed in the prestige format, which they haven't done in a while. I feel um, basically the ones that are like kind of double the size, like they're like forty or forty-eight page comics normally, and they're like a thicker, a thicker uh, card stock, like of an issue. Like it's um, so when you see it in the store, it's not like your regular floppy comic issue. It's a little bit more uh, durable. And uh, they do cost a little bit more. They're five ninety nine in issue retail, uh, unless you can get them for cheaper at uh, maybe like a, like a digital sale, or if you're going to buy it, uh, if a discount of some sort. Uh, so yeah, five ninety nine in issue, but they are like I said, basically double the size, and uh, has beautiful Joel Jones art, which we're all uh, fans of, of uh, on the show here. Yep. Um, yeah, she's you know done things like Lady Killer. She's done some other work at DC. She did a Superman American Alien issue, which was great too. Um, and I think she, it's a little bit. I mean, she looks great in this uh, Supergirl series as as usual. Um, she's really one of the better new artists that I've been introduced to over the last couple of years. She's I like her style a lot. Um, she draws good-looking people. Um, her characters are, you know, very. Her art's very clean-lined in this. Um, it's less inky uh, than like la- her Lady Killer kind of style is. Um, it, it's very much. It's like your Lady Killer stuff, but a little bit more cleaned up and polished. Uh-huh. And I don't know if it's due to the ink inks or or um, uh, the colors on this, but it, it, it looks really good. Um, and basically, this has um, been so far a slow burn, I would say. Not much happened within the first couple of issues. At the end of the second issue, actually, uh, which was the main thing, uh, biggest thing that happened in those first two, I would say, is uh, she was running like a uh, marathon at like her track and field type thing at school. And the ground opened up and, and swallowed one of her friends that she tried to save. And she had that, that basically that conflicting moment which was one of the stupidest parts of that Superman movie where he didn't save his father. <laughs> like, so she was the, it was kind of like one of those things where it's like, should yeah. I reveal my powers type business? You know what I mean? Like be, to save her friend. And she basically, she, she said, fuck it. And, uh, uh, though, and did try to save her, but was unsuccessful in doing so. But she did like have to pick up like a, like she basically lifted, like, I think a huge, rock or did something that was super like human that her friend her other friend did see but like the ground just basically opened up and swallowed her her friend whole like on the track and suddenly the plot attacked yeah so so in this issue the third issue um i would say it's basically she's been dealing with the fallout of like you know being like a a teacher and having to deal with the death of her friend in, in a school environment and how that would take a toll on you and how like people are trying to analyze her, the teachers and they're concerned about her and, uh, and that type of thing. And it feels like, you know, like a teen drama of some sort. Um, 
in that sense and it's yeah it's just basically been a coming of age story like she's aware she's like she has powers and that she uh she but she's basically also been learning about where she's come from or and her kryptonian like uh, or crypt like and about krypton and her her background as an alien and basically in this issue they explore that a little bit more as well um about how her father found uh her on the farm so it's basically the Superman story, but th uh, through Supergirl's uh, point of view. And I, I don't think this is matched up with DC's current continuity of her. Um, I would take this as a separate story altogether, just like a little four-issue story of Supergirl that probably stands outside of current continuity uh, within the comics. Um because I don't think this matches up with anything that's currently going on, uh, even though I only read no, it. No, it, it, yeah. it, from what little I've read, it very clearly doesn't. Yeah. Also, but, what uh, fucking could? Was, like, Su Supergirl since New 52 and all this shit has gotten so fucking convoluted. Yeah. Mm. Like, it starts out, oh, because yeah, I'm on Earth. I don't know what's happening. Oh, now I'm in this fucking space thing. Oh, now I'm here on Earth for the first time, and my uncle's a fucking kryptonite werewolf. Yeah, no, it's just, I think um, the current Supergirl books are trying to square, it's it's kind of the opposite problem of the new, of what Marvel's doing right now, where everything matches up. The comics have so, for a while, had so diverged on what they wanted Supergirl to be, but now they have this popular version of her on TV that they want to kind of match her personality with. But it doesn't. But that doesn't match with the inhuman alien who has trouble associating with people. Arc that was the only interesting thing about her New Fifty Two run. Yeah. So they're trying to square those two personalities, and it's not meshing very well. Nope. What they need to do is yeah. they need to go back to when Supergirl mattered when she was a weird blob alien who fused with the actual Supergirl. <laughs> I still haven't read the second volume of that. I'm almost scared to because I I know it's going to get weirder before it gets sure before it gets more normal. That's actually that's another thing because that one got more normal once they tried to make it line up with the Supergirl from the Superman animated series. Before mm -hmm. that, well, you read it, Dead Man. So just yeah, yeah, yeah. I read the, I read, I read the first volume on uh, in your. Well, pretty and yeah, it was fucked. It was pretty fucked up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, a little bit, a little bit. Yeah. Um, Supergirl became Grodd's bitch. Maybe I don't know. I, 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 don't worry about it. Cat demons. <laughs> so, so, so I can't really even like I don't watch the Supergirl show, so I can't suggest whether or not this would be good for a person that likes that show, but um it definitely is in the sense like it got that CW type of teen drama coming of age thing going on, I would say. Like if um and basically what you do find out in this issue is like her like Lex Luthor in a sense almost or like I guess the person that's uh, the bad person that's emerged in her life up to this uh in this issue is is been some sort of a teacher of hers from school who turns out to be some sort of like almost like mad scientist that's like working on another uh alien like a from krypton in her lab that she comes across in this and then by the end of it uh she 
frees him and he convinces her that they're not really from here. They're not like the humans of planet Earth. And since she's kind of hasn't been having the greatest time at, at home as of lately, agrees to run away with him. <laughs> and then at the and and then at the end, you find she kind of walks. Yeah, teenagers. Yeah, you know. Yeah, she's having that teen angst type moment. And it's like, hey, I kind of relate to you. Let's be together forever. Right. And then she's even questioning, like, why am I doing this as she's That actually it. sounds worse than the Supergirl from the, from the CW show. Because, well, <laughs> uh, Devin, have you kept up with it at all? Yes, I have. Okay. My, I kind of agree with um, the assertion that the, the Super, CW Supergirl series is kind of like a super Supergirl take on the Richard Donner type of Superman. It's just, it's got some of that CW type melodrama stuff sprinkled in here and there. And that's the only stuff I really don't like about it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I get that. Um, sometimes it works. Um, anything involving James Olsen is just the fucking worst. Yeah. I, well, the, the whole love triangle thing doesn't work. The shit with the Martians is awesome. Oh no. Like the Martian shit was, the Martian shit was great. That love triangle got fucking quashed real quick. Yeah. Yeah, it happens season one, season two starts. It's like, hey, yeah, um, let's not. Okay. Okay. And they just yeah. fucking and then there's like and James is like, hey, I want to be the guardian, because he's the only superhero we could really think of that nobody would give a shit about if I became. And you know Jeff yeah. John's just sitting in the background like, I could have we could have done Action Man, but no, we had to go with the Guardian. <laughs> I have a fucking red bandana in my pocket, motherfuckers. Yeah. If that doesn't work, you're just making vigilante. Fuck it. (laughs) Vigilante. Yeah, Earth 19 vigilante. Fuck that shit. Just give him a cowboy hat. It works. So just, Nico, as a story on its own, does this work for you? Yeah. um, Like, there's not a lot of, like, meat to it. Like, there's not much going on. Like, it's very, like I said, it's been a slow burn. It's been fairly simplistic, uh, but it has been an entertaining read with great art from Joelle Jones. Um, And, and yeah, like, like I said, it's very light and easy to read. And it's not, it's not been, it's not like a convoluted mess. It's not like a very complicated storyline. It's just been a good read overall, I think. Like, it's not like, Again, my favorite thing or top of the stack either, I would say, but it is good. I think it's decent at the very least. And, uh, and, uh, yeah. And then basically at the end, uh, she goes home to grab her stuff and the, uh, the alien, uh, boy that she pretty much rescued, uh, turns out that he, uh, he kills some hitchhiker that he sees and, destroys him basically laser beams him to death from his eyes and uh and says like yeah now we're gonna make these humans pay to himself so like he is she does not know what like she wasn't with him when this happens so she doesn't really know what she's unleashed now and he seems to be uh, a bad alien from uh krypton so um so yeah uh it's gonna be concluded next issue apparently the next issue is the last one uh i don't know how they're gonna wrap it all up uh, with one more issue to go, but uh, I, I, yeah, it was a nice little mini series at the very least. And I think uh, people that are fans of Supergirl or just teen type drama uh, storylines uh, might be like this. Uh, and also, I guess worth noting, the writer is uh, Mariko Tamaki, who's writing the Hulk. Is she not right now? Is that the writer on the Hulk? Um, I think she's an indie writer. Let me check. That I think that's her. Uh, yeah, it is. Yeah. 
So she's also the writer on this. So okay. She, uh, yeah, so that might change your mind on checking it out, maybe. <laughs> so. All right. Um, okay. <laughs> He's like, oh, man. So that's my first book. Aliens, Dead Orbit. Yes. This is a James Stoko joint right here, motherfuckers. Oh, man. <laughs> and I had to read through it five times before I figured out what the ending was. That was Did James Stoko write it? Yep. Lettered it. Colored it. James Stoko did all of it except the variant cover done by Raphael Albuquerque. <laughs> because, yeah, that's what you need to bring in fucking Albuquerque to do a variant cover for a Stoko book. <laughs> I remember last time we were complaining about the Jeff Darrow one. <laughs> I remember it was because I think he also did a variant for this. These motherfuckers. How dare you? Just let James Stoko, James Stoko. God damn it. <laughs> like, yeah, I love Albuquerque. He's a great artist. He ain't no Stoko, motherfuckers. Oh, yeah, great. yeah. So. This book is. It feels very. It feels very much like Alien. Yes. Like original, like original as Ridley Scott yes. alien. Yeah, that's I, I completely agree with you. I don't know why they would title this aliens with an S, but yes, you're right. It's exactly like it. it's more horror movie alien. Yeah. yeah so yeah. It so the book Definitely. starts out on a space station. Uh, the Sphacteria. Will and Dutani, naturally, it's a gas station. And on that, and on the station is one guy, our main character, Wasi. He's hanging all out. Right. Yeah, he's hanging out doing whatever. Um, he tries to get a smoke, realizes he's all out, and then horrible things are about to happen outside. Grabs a box, heads out there, sees a ship, and then we get a flashback to before when there was actually a crew there. And this is some fucking alien ass shit. It is fucking Wasi who appears to be some kind of a mechanic, just kind of a general maintenance for the way station. He's just, he's smoking, working on the fucking thing. Uh, communications officer, Rook, uh, he's he's just hanging out, calling everybody a dick. The captain actually kind of looks like the captain from the original Alien. But yeah, they, okay. but yeah there's a derelict spaceship uh, kind of floating out by them. Uh... Wasi, the captain, uh, a doctor, and their security officer, Torrenson, they head over to the other ship. Once they get there, Wasi kind of like goes and looks and sees that something melted through the bulkhead. Just, just kind of cut right through it. And they come across three pods, three uh, cryopods. Opening them up goes wrong. As when they come out, they don't have skin. See, that's kind of a problem. And yeah, okay. and yeah, it's just kind of all. Yeah, after that, it then kind of flashes back to, I guess, flashes forward to where we started the book, where Wasi's making his way back in, and 
he sees something that he thinks is the alien, but turns out it's actually just a fucking heating tube or whatever that from the that like burst open from alien acid. And then the alien actually just straight shows up. Yeah, that was so, my favorite moment where you think he sees an alien and it's just like yeah, just like pipes and shit like an outside and under the wall. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so this this seems like this is going to be the uh this seems like this is going to be the model for the book where it has um we're kind of like set in two different uh time periods, one where Wasi is the only guy still alive where he is um just where he's just like trying to keep alive on the station until he can get help from somebody uh, doing minor repairs as he can because you know you don't really need that much life support when you have one guy and I guess one horrible dickheaded alien and then flashing back to the events leading up to this uh, one problem I have like I said I had to read it like I read it like four or five times in order to I kind of figure out the it ending. It sounds ridiculously convoluted for one issue. It's really not. No, it's very simple, actually. This. Yeah, it's yeah. just I didn't. It's just like reading through it before. I didn't notice the before header. Mm-hmm. So, so like when Wasi, uh, he like steps outside. Uh, at, at the beginning of it, like a thing pops up, like "Hey, threshold breach" or whatever. So he goes outside, stares at the ship, and the next page says "before." And kind of like flashes back to show him, show the events leading up to this. I didn't see that the first few times I read this because it is fairly light colored font over a big black background that has a bunch of little, has a bunch of like light colored, you know, dots being stars and shit. So it didn't really pop out in any way. And so I kept missing that. So I thought him going outside and, do, and like with, the, with the, like his little box of whatever. I thought that that was happening like concurrently or at least immediately before the events that happened throughout the rest of the book. Yeah, I don't know. You're, I think you're right. That may have not been the choice for him to write it actually in the darkness in space as opposed to just writing it in a text box. Yeah, if it was, if it was like a bit more um, like pronounced from the darkness, then I then I wouldn't have had yeah. that problem. And this is just this is just a me problem. Like yeah, I, I would still, yeah, okay, I would still yeah. like count this against the book as if I was like actually like doing like ratings or whatever. But it's not something that is like a fucking deal breaker. It's just a uh, kind of poor lettering choice. Ratings. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, I get it. Yeah, this book is cool. It is. It's James Stoko art, and so it looks fucking great. Um, if you read any of the uh, Moon Knight stuff, like uh, that he that he that he drew, yes. Mm-hmm. Then you get, then you can kind of get the aesthetic of it. Just like his, like that's art style. Stoko's art style works really well for this style of like old school, bulky ass sci-fi. Yeah, like dirty ass fucking like spaceships and just like you know like boiler rooms or whatever the hell he's gonna draw. In oh yeah, things, like right? this like, is yeah. <laughs> this is the alien aesthetic. This is there are no yes. creature comforts on this Either. ship. This ship is fucking. You are living in a factory. Well, even even the spacesuits are the original old school, like uh, Giger ones or whatever, right? Yeah, the, yeah, just these the, big bulky yeah. fucking things with with the with like the kind of like with like the regular sized helmets instead of the really stupid Prometheus like big bulbous suppository looking things. Hmm. 
But let's just not talk about Prometheus, please. <laughs> yeah, let's not. It's, I'm already confused enough that the Alien movie coming out is both a prequel to Alien and a sequel to Prometheus. But, it's uh, it's stupid. <laughs> they had their franchise and now want a new one, so they are forcing this on. This they are forcing this on everybody. It's retarded. It is just so fucking sad. It does have Danny McBride though, which is <laughs> <Just> very high. <odd. laughs> yeah, you know when you think sci-fi and horror, you think Danny McFucking Bride. I know it's very strange. <laughs> His like role Danny in Tropic McBride, Thunder but... pretty much, pretty much like made him for this role. <laughs> I thought that was an odd choice, but I like him. When I watched the, when I watched the 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 the, the this is the end. He was the part I always wanted to come back to. <laughs> Eastbound and Down was basically his Citizen Kane. I, I don't know. I would argue that about principles. The last show he was <laughs> but nothing against you, Danny McBride. It's just you are a really weird choice to be in an Aliens movie. Yeah, no, that's what that's what that's what I was trying to say. I like Danny McBride. It's very strange that he's casted in this. But anyway, comic relief. <laughs> You're not supposed to take that literally. <laughs> like when you think of fucking comic relief, you're not thinking like, hey, you know what? We should get we should get like a fucking comedian, like Jerry Seinfeld in a fucking Nightmare on Elm Street movie. Doesn't make a whole lot of sense. I would love to see Jerry Seinfeld in a Nightmare on Elm Street movie. <laughs> And what's, what's the, the deal, deal with that hat? <laughs> I mean, it's weird enough seeing him in comedies. Like when he showed up in the new season of Mystery Science Theater 3000, it was just awkward. Who, Jerry Seinfeld did? <laughs> yeah. Oh, that is fucking weird. I didn't even know that. <laughs> yeah. That's odd. I'm, I'm used to seeing him on uh, fucking coffee and cars with comedians. <laughs> not uh, not uh, the Mystery Science Theater. That's weird. Huh. Yeah, he seems a bit. Right. Yeah, he's a bit too. PC. No, not, not, not PC, <laughs> just like a bit too big. Yeah, that's true. Too rich is what you mean. Too mainstream. <laughs> if yeah. that makes any sense. Like even even now, where where MST3K is this giant fucking thing that's basically owned by Netflix. And everybody fucking loves MST3K. MST3K still has a cult feel to it to me. Mm. Yeah. But anyway, Birdie. All right. Well, moving from one book uh, written and drawn by an artist to another, Shauna the She-Devil. Ooh. Frank Cho? Yeah. Yeah. Written and drawn by Frank Cho. And I'm still trying to decide if that was a good decision or not. (laughs) (laughs) Because... um, I really like this book. Yeah. The, the stuff that's the hardest to make out if I like or not is the writing. Because yeah. um, Frank Cho's, the, well, I, do we need to talk about Frank Cho's art? Because I mean, he's, no. It, it's kind <laughs> of, it's, it, it's amazing in this book. It really works. I enjoy it because, particularly the fact that most of this series is a blonde woman with giant machetes fighting raptors or a T Rex. Yeah, I mean, this book essentially has everything he's good at drawing. 
uh, yeah. great looking women, raptors, like dinosaurs. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I, get, I get the impression that Frank Cho really liked drawing this woman because he then went on to do several dynamite series, which are basically this just with a different name. So no copyright infringement. Yeah. It's the Leonard, the duck approach. <laughs> yeah. I did. Um, Jungle Girl, that's what it was called. Yeah, which came out after he did this first seven-issue miniseries where the premise is um, a group of American soldiers have ended up on um, ended up in the Savage Land and while they're there trying to survive the hordes and hordes of dinosaurs um, they come across a Nazi secret lab because, you know, Nazis. Match. They have yeah. The Nazis and the Nazis in the Marvel universe are kind of like um, the Umbrella Corps, where they're evil enough, but then they do evil in stupid ways too. So, yeah. <laughs> so, and it's discovered inside um, that there is a series of attempts at cloning like the perfect Aryan woman as like a bioweapon. And there were seven sisters; six of them died. Shauna alone survived. And so they release her, uh, and they get the hell out of there before raptors start eating them. Well, I say before someone got eaten immediately, <laughs> and that's the. I think that's the other thing that um, Trent Show really likes drawing is people being mutilated by animals, because he in this book, and it's probably the best part of the book outside of just the way he draws these animals just the image of a t-rex literally being swarmed over by raptors like a horde like a bunch of ants and just tearing it to shreds it's kind of amazing <laughs> <laughs> like like instead of just like what t-rex fighting a t-rex it's like five or six um raptors all clawing and tearing at the t-rex's throat until it dies and then tearing it limb from limb because so there are only there are like three major challenges in the narrative of this book, aside from character stuff. Uh, one, the the group when they return from the base inadvertently brings a German bio a, a German uh, uh, what's the term uh, pathogen along with them that infects most of the uh, most of the crew. Um, the antidote is there, but it's. It's three days to get there and three days to get back. And if they don't get anyone the treatment within eight days, they're just dead. <laughs> so, you know, you know, nothing can go wrong. Yeah, uh, start two, the clock. Um, I think on the second day, they run across a Tyrannosaurus. And they run across it twice, once before they reach the base and once after. The second time, it's just pissed because... They shot it in the neck and stabbed a spear in far enough to injure its heart. So before you were dealing with a T-Rex that was just, I'm king of this place, bitch, you are going to be eaten. And this is, now you've pissed me off, bitch. Now I'm going to tear you limb from limb. Was the T-Rex a Nazi? No. Okay. That would have been awesome. It's just just dinosaurs and Nazis (laughs) have a long history of working together. Yeah. No, the the, t- the dinosaurs like killing Nazis as much as the Americans. Outstanding. But uh, they they made up for the fact that the T Rex wasn't this T Rex wasn't a Nazi by having the main soldier who hangs out with Shauna on her mission, Doc, kill it by 
using a dynamite bowler. <laughs> Just, I need to read this. <laughs> yeah. It's fun. Kind of surprised I haven't yeah, already read it. Drawn. Yeah. There's a sequel series drawn by someone I'm I I'm also familiar with who's not Frank Cho, but I get the impression that Frank Cho really liked drawing this book since, you know, he then just keeps like every couple of years Dynamite just lets him draw another Jungle Girl book. I think he's up to like 5 now. Yeah, so the other run is a uh, Kari Evans. Yeah. From a book written by yeah. Justin Gray and Jimmy Palmiotti. Yeah, that was the, that was the artist I was trying to remember, Jimmy Palmiotti. Um, Bertie, have you read have you read that one as well? I haven't read that. Um, if I read it, it's been a long time. I vaguely remember the second series, but I don't remember what it was like in comparison. Oh, okay. I think it was more. I think I enjoyed it because it was the same kind of swashbuckling, swashbuckling pulp action stuff. But I enjoyed it less because there were fewer dinosaurs. Yeah, I mean, I've been thinking of reading that one, but because I like Jimmy Palmiotti and uh, yeah, it's well, just I'll, I'll, but. I'll probably read it at some point soon and I'll yeah. let you know. Okay. But, no, but my favorite part, the, the, the entire last half of the book, the major problem is that they are trekking back and forth across the savage land at the time of the great Velociraptor migration. Ah, yes. And here we see the Velociraptor migration. Well, you don't want to see it because if they see it, they'll just eat you. Well, it's, it's sort of like, um, the rest of the Savage Land, if you're near the migration lines, it's just giant fast food. Anyone who sees them coming gets eaten. <laughs> so it'd be more like, and here we see the great migration of the, oh God! <laughs> and here we see my innards being ripped out by a Velociraptor's main talon. It is quite painful, as one would expect. Yeah. The only, th yeah, so the problem with, um, like I said, I don't think Frank Cho is all that great a, a, a writer. It's a good story concept, and it's well drawn. But like in terms of dialogue, he's a little clunky. Like he just he has characters just say either exposition or catchphrases over and over again. And most of the good character writing is just inner monologue from Doc, who is kind of the narrator for the story. But because of that, it's a little clunky when. Um, you hear the doc say this long inner monologue about what the Shauna's nature as, is she just a Nazi bioweapon or can she be cured of that and become a proper person? When he's just saying Jesus and cookies, <laughs> Jesus and cookies, something to that effect or like, or old cookies or something. To that. He says cookies a lot. Sweet <laughs> Christmas cookies. <laughs> Oh God! It's them! It's them visitor cookies. Ah, <laughs> <sighs> oh. but yeah, uh, this was a lot of fun. I had I remembered I'd remembered why I liked this because it's you know it's it's, Frank it's Nazis Cho. and dinos and jungle and Frank Cho. So yes, <laughs> and I the one thing that did kind of annoy me is that, and I think. Um, Frank Cho realized he had gypped his audience by not including it properly in this book, so he included it in Jungle Girl. Several of the one of the covers features Shauna uh, bare hand wrestling a crocodile, but that's nowhere in the book. So I was like, oh, 
<laughs> no, man. They want to see your body slam a crocodile. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, no, this was fun. Totally worth a read. Nice. All right, cool. All right. Nothing wrong with that. Yeah, <laughs> nothing wrong with that. All right. Nico. Frank uh, Stowe, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so uh, Rat Queens. Uh, now, we've talked in the past. Uh, Bury, I think you as well have read some of this, uh, the older series. I, guess. I have as well. Rat- yeah. Yeah, no, I knew, I knew you did that, man, but I think Birdie, you did too as well, right? Uh, I think so. Uh, Birdie is currently okay. Oops, not with us at the right, moment. taking care of something. Yep, My he bad. <laughs> he's he's right. disciplining his dogs, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so um, I'm very conflicted on Rat Queens only because it started off so good. Really enjoyed the series, loved it. Um, after the, maybe the first arc or two... The artist, Rock Upchurch, of course, we talked about it on the show before, had to leave the book because of the domestic abuse charges um, that were, you know, put uh, that happened to him. And he basically, uh, I guess the writer, Curtis Weeb or whatever, they agreed that it would be best if he leaves the book because obviously this is a book that has a, a, strong, a big female uh, fan base. And because of this, you know, the bad uh, press that was coming to him and the book at that time, it probably was be best for them, for him to just leave. Um, And I think, um, uh, and and to be honest, I don't know if, like, I know the charges were pressed, but do you know if that ever, not that it matters, I don't think, did he ever actually get, like, charged for that or was it, were the charges dropped? I am not sure. I'm looking that up now. Okay, because I, I, cause I can't, I can't, I thought I recall hearing, like, I don't know if it's not, it, it wasn't the case or not, but I don't know if he actually got, like, went to jail or anything for what had happened. But anyways, um, it was a messy situation, and it, again, it was not good press for the book at that time, of course, um, and unfortunate, because I thought that ever since that, he was the best artist, I think, on the book that came to this book. And I think that he really set the style for this and being in an image title where a lot of the artists stick on the books. Um, it was very disappointing to me when he did end up leaving because I thought that he really w- was the best person that they had for this. Um, not directly after that, but towards the end of the run, which I actually did not like. That's, that's what the, what else I was going to say the last, um, arc or two of the book prior to them relaunching it um recently which again is also weird for an image title um it was not good it just went off the rails i didn't know what the fuck was going on anymore i don't know it seems that curtis weeb i don't know if it's something with him personally like just like what happened with peter panzerfoss where it took forever for the last couple issues to come out if he just got bored or he just kind of I don't know, like, it just, it was not, it was like a former shell of itself of how great the book was, that last arc. I just, I did not enjoy it. I've had the impression that those last couple of issues before the relaunch, like the constant changing of artists and creative team, in addition to the problems with the the original artist, led to um, 
just like the constant issues with the creative direction for the book. So they're just like, fuck it. Let's get back to what we like and try to get away from the stuff that's been causing problems. Right. And, and, and to be fair, like I'm, I know I'm saying about the launch prior to this, but I just want some context for it. Uh, this is two issues in with the relaunch. And I think it's also been away for maybe a year or so prior to this actual, the actual launch happening since the last issue came out. Yeah. And, um, and 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 this and it's been good. It's been it's basically I feel picked up back where it left off in that first couple arcs with the fun adventuring of this group, uh, along now with um, that other character Braga, uh, who's a transgender character. Uh, Wait, is she trans or she, is she just a straight up like lady orc? No, she's transgender. They actually had that one shot issue where they explained that she was. She is she is a woman. I mean. If you want to go by what she is, she is now, the bet yes, she is a transgendered character. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I kind of, uh, I kind of, yeah, dro- I dropped off, um, kind of early on. I, I dropped off, um, from Rat Queens a bit, uh, when they, when they had that a uh, Hannah going evil thing. Right. Well, yeah. Well, you dropped off at a good time because, like I said, that last little bit of the series uh, prior to this, was, I, 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 it, it made me question returning even for this relaunch. So I kind of just tried out the first issue, really liked the first issue, and now with the second issue has come out, um, I think it's it's found it's found its footing again uh, for what this book, uh, what I liked about this book to begin with. Yeah, and and, uh, for, and from what I've seen, and from what I've looked up, um. Rock Up Church was arrested on charges of, you know, battery, family violence, and first offense misdemeanor uh, back in 2014. Uh, I can't seem to find anything about any other information that came, that came to come after that. Mm. Well, I know I'm pretty certain he hasn't been actually involved in the comic industry at all. Like, at least I haven't heard anything about him since then. So uh, it's very possible that happened then. Uh, but you know what he did. If that is the case, that uh, you know, I'm not going to comment on that because I don't know anything about it. But, um, <clears throat> but yeah, I think uh, the newest artist that they have on the book now, uh, Owen Chieni, who I don't know if I've ever seen any work by uh, yeah, this artist before. It, it looks good. It's good. I, it, it's it's. I, I, I'm finding it it's hard. It's not yet in staging. No. No, and I don't. I know he was one of the artists that came after Rock Up Church, but he only, I think he was, there was even another artist after. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no. yeah. Stampin' was, a, Stampin was a fill-in artist for the end of that weird Cthulhu arc. Right. And then the artist... And it's always fun again. when you have to specify weird Cthulhu arc. <laughs> yeah, because it was, it was like, it was... Uh, the mayor of a town used a fucking ancient mask to summon all these Cthulhu guys, and then the fucking, I don't know, the cleric, I no, not the cleric, uh, the fucking, I don't know, cultist necromancer, I don't I don't know actually what her role in the party is, I don't know what her class is. Oh, D. Yeah, that's basically what she is. Yeah, and then, and then D's like, a, and then yeah. D's like, um, excuse me, bitch, what the fuck are you doing with my family shit, because she's from the cult that worship these fucking weird brainiac-looking motherfuckers. Mm-hmm. His brains with tentacles. Um, yeah. Which like you know, most with, brains, but you know, with Stephen drawing it, it looked fucking awesome. Yeah, I I like this new artist. Um, they're not bad. They also it looks almost like a painterly style, but it's not. 
I don't know. It's hard to describe. It's I'm finding it a hard time to describe this person's art style. But uh, it's for not, me. It, for me, it looks like um, I can't can't remember his name. He's the guy who did a uh, cooler and uh, the kind of ending of uh, Gotham at Gotham by Midnight. Oh, yeah, he, he looks. He looks like if that now. artist. Yeah, he looks like if that artist did comedy. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I see where you're getting at. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's not bad. I like it. I like it definitely a lot than the last couple artists that came after Steppin uh, on that on that the before the relaunch. They weren't that great. Um, so if this person stays on as the artist, uh, I I would be happy with that. I think. Yeah. Um, Okay, she's a necromancer. Basically, okay, yeah. So she's a wizard, necromancer. Okay. <clears throat> Sorry, I, I I've been getting into D and D a lot lately, and I need to fucking. <laughs> oh, okay. No, uh, never mind. Cleric. I fuck. I I don't know. She doesn't wear. She doesn't wear cleric shit. You're talking. Is it D the black girl? Then is that who yeah. you're talking about? Yeah. Yeah. D yeah. Is, okay. Yeah. D is yeah. the D is the human cleric from a Lovecraftian cult who, and she doesn't believe in cults or gods or anything. And, yeah, one of them is an orc, a warrior. Uh, that's Braga. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, like I, I keep looking at Hannah, and I'm like, oh, okay, cleric, because she's in the because no, she's she, the fucking heavy the, armor. Isn't she the? Oh, yes, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. No, sorry, not Hannah. Is she the redhead or the wizard? Oh, that's the yeah. Yeah, Violet's the, the dwarf. Hannah's the elf right. wizard with the horns. Right. Then there's Betty. Right. Mm-hmm. little halfling yeah right so yeah so basically these fr- the first two issues is them just basically doing uh bounties or like adve- going on like adventures basically in this one they killed a giant monster lizard type bird creature for a town i guess it was uh it was killing people in the town wasn't it, wasn't yeah it, it wasn't still in palisade, palisade. yeah that, that, the town that palisade, they were in before yeah. <clears throat> they've returned to palisade now and in this well, when they go to the bar after their victorious, uh, you know, takedown of this creature, obviously to celebrate, uh, um, Braga mentions that uh, now that they're back to Palisade, uh, a lot of the other uh, adventuring crews are dead or have abandoned town after the invasion of the Sky Squid. Uh, and, and since now they... Well, wouldn't you? Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> and I mean, and now it's that not they... like an invasion of, um, da- of flying cabbages. <laughs> no. Uh, so now that they've taken care of that, God damn there's it, been. Uh... I was wondering how long it would take you. <laughs> Fucking goddamn it! What's that a callback to? Konosuba. What are you referring uh, to? It's, a, it's an anime called Konosuba, which is basically mocking RPGs. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> Just every year they get invaded by a fucking army of cabbages. <laughs> That's strange. <laughs> yeah, look, look, uh, luckily so yeah. the main party was so luckily inept that they were able to get the most cabbages to get a whole lot of money, but they were so in debt because one of their party members kept spending all their fucking money. <laughs> strange. The main party members had to live in a stable because they couldn't afford bedrooms. And one of them is the Alrighty most then. and one of them is the most useless <laughs> goddess you've ever met. Just yeah, I could turn undead, but I'm more interested in doing party tricks. Kona Soup was good, you guys. <laughs> All right, thanks for that. <laughs> so yeah, <clears throat> basically now Braga's uh, 
now part of the Rat Queens. They've asked her to join, and she mentioned that now uh, that they've taken out this threat and there's no more, not many other adventurers in Palisade, that they could really clean up uh, and make a lot of money and basically take on a lot of new quests uh, for the group. So yeah, that's where I basically left off at the end of the second issue. Uh, Braga is now part of the team officially, and they're just going to continue on their uh, their quests in this uh, in this town once again. Basically, kind of going back to where, where it all started off. It seems it seems kind of fresh again in a way, and uh, I I've enjoyed it two issues in so far this relaunch. Hopefully, it does not go off the rails like it did last uh, iteration because um, well, I do hopefully like none of the artists will get arrested. Yeah. Here's open. Yeah. Yeah. So so yeah, Rat Queens. It's uh, it's pretty good again. Uh if you did like it uh previously, but ended up dropping off of it, like some people might have, um check out these first two issues because I think that um I think it's pretty good again, in my opinion. Yeah. So there's a backup story in the second issue that isn't great. No, yeah, you're right. That wasn't great, but um I with those backup stories, they're kind of hit or miss usually anyways. So. Yeah. I, w- I wouldn't hold that against it. Um, no, like, the, the main, the main book the itself, main it so still it. fucking works. Um, like, like yeah. I, had, like I had dropped off. So I didn't really get like full context, but like that bit with Dave. Yeah, that was Dave's, real yeah. good. Mm. But the Daves are gone now in this. Uh, no, no, there's only, there's one but, Dave left. And he's just sitting there. Look at the sky crying. Right. <laughs> right. But they, but other than that, he, they mentioned, yeah, now that the Daves are all gone, like there's, there's, because there was a group of them. Yeah. And, now, uh, yeah. And yeah. like Vi, and like Vi sees Dave, like the two of them had a thing, and he was like, oh man, no, I'm sad. Yeah. And she goes and parties while Betty tries to hit in a mushroom. And I mean, that, yeah. I mean, that literally, like she, she is like flirting with a mushroom. Yeah. Yeah. There's like a mushroom creature. <laughs> yeah. Because, uh, uh, because Violet's almost- brother created the Nega Rat Queens. Called the Cat Kings. Yeah, you'll you'll get a lot out of this series if you're into D and D too. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, because the writer of this actually does his own D and D stream. Oh, really? Yep, he DMs okay. a game called D Twenty Babes. Huh. Yeah. Well, well there you go. It's I did neat. not know that. That is neat. And uh, which is weird because you've taken quite a turn because I thought you were the person that mentioned that you're not really into fantasy based things unless there is I'm, a special. I'm, in, I'm into fantasy with a twist. Right. Yeah. And, you, yeah. You, and, you and, like the, and like the uh, and like D&D, it is straight fantasy, but improvised storytelling. Which, yes, which is like, for example, like, yeah. I just played a story where Caveman was attempting to be stealthy, but the guard who he was attempting to stealth his way past was too dumb to get the stealthy innuendo. So he just ended up having to say he's a pie salesman. <laughs> or like in a campaign I'm running, uh, the group came across a goblin who had just kind of been horribly beaten. So one of them ended up adopting him as a sex slave. Huh? He's now, he's now a sorcerer using, using his severed leg as a wand. <laughs> That's pretty awesome. <laughs> Yeah, he's being trained by an orc wizard while working for a halfling barbarian and a in a in an adventuring guild in the middle of Neverwinter. Hmm. Things and that's get the one weird. You're DMing. Yep, that's one of the games I'm DMing. The other game I'm DMing 
is I had to I had to try to convince a guy to play a druid because he wanted to make a plague doctor and the way th- and looking at everything I saw bru- druid was the best option for that but he didn't want to play a druid because he doesn't like the word druid. <laughs> at least at least you've never had to DM a game with Jimmy Esco in it, dead man. <laughs> because even when he picked good characters, he played them wrong. Like whenever he was a druid, he would his first and only tactic was I turn into a bear. <laughs> like, and it just annoyed the shit. <laughs> that's a tactic. Because he kept chart he kept it's like enemy had cannons, I turn into a bear. <laughs> Fighting a giant, I turn into a bear. <laughs> Fighting a dragon, I turn into a bear. Like literally he had no tactic other than I turn into a bear, and it just infuriated me and Kate, man. I actually just built a. I actually just built a new druid. Basically, it basically serves as a nature mercenary. Yeah, it is fun when you game the system, though, because there was a one time Jimmy tried to create a D and D game with no magic in it, and I ended up playing a character who had magic but without having magic because I was a monk, and caveman configured himself to have magical technology. D and D is fun when we. So when we got to a zombie apocalypse story, we cured the zombie apocalypse. Yeah, and then there's, of course, the Tales of Tiny Lunch. But I think we have gone severely off topic. Yes, now Nico's taking a nap. (laughs) (sighs) No, what's going on? No, (laughs) No, yeah, I was listening. Don't worry, just ratings. (laughs) Ratings! All right, five, five, five. All right, go ahead. (laughs) So, on to my second book, Rose. So Rose is the new book from Meredith Finch, uh, the writer who, you know, admirably followed up Brian Azzarello on The Wonder Woman. Oh, the the one who was trying. Yeah. That, that, I know that sounds insulting, but it's like, no, you were, you were trying. Yeah, yeah, she was actually trying. Like, <laughs> like, she actually fucking spent the time to read those old issues, figure out what her position was in the DC universe, and then try to write an appropriate story for Wonder Woman based on that. There was it wasn't as put bad that. as I thought it was going to be. Let's it was, it was actually pretty all no, right. It, it, no, it was pretty good. It like, was okay. No, if, it was okay. It, it, given the art style, if it had been handed over to Scott Lobdell after Ooh. Brian Azzarello left, then we would have. Then we would have. <laughs> then we would have had a bad book. Sure. There would Absolutely. be there would be Absolutely. many an image of Scott Lobdell uh, with a photo of him punching David Finch in the face, saying, "I'm sorry. He wrote. Yeah. He drew it wrong." Yeah, the book would start. This the book would be called Red Hood and the Amazon. <laughs> 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 yeah, so. Fuck Scott Lobdell. Yeah. Yep. Thank you. So anyway, Rose is another fantasy book. Rose. <laughs> and this one doesn't appear to have a twist. I just kind of like the idea of it. So in the world of Rose. There were previously um, ancient warriors who uh, helped uh, pr- who that like patrol the land and protected the weak and whatever, and were all bonded with magical cats. <laughs> and I'm not talking about like tab. I'm not talking about like fucking. You know, it's not like some motherfucker runs there with runs out there with a calico. I mean, they had like giant fucking like panthers and tigers and lions and shit. Oh, okay. Yeah, and so um yeah, so they used to so these warriors uh used to exist 
throughout the world. Uh, and until there was a big old great war and the queen, I guess the now queen, uh, won and began murdering anybody who could potentially be connected to the cats. Ten years after this, uh, we meet our main character, Rose. Her name's Rose. Guess what color her hair is? Pink, man. <laughs> uh, closest. It's actually a mahogany. Ah, okay. <laughs> yeah, a nice mahogany. Yeah, so she has some kind of magic. Uh, she's testing it out, laying in a fucking bog. Then her village gets burned down. Her mom dies. You know, fantasy. Oops. Yeah. Like, did she kill her mom, or did it just happen? It just uh, her the queen's forces. Uh, the queen, uh, whenever there was, oh, whenever there okay. was a hint of like a rebellion or some magic, the queen was just like, "Hey, burn that bitch down." I see. Okay. Yeah. Then we meet the queen, and she seems lovely. She's in a high collared sash. With the fantasy equivalent of a barbed wire tattoo across her thigh, with like three people just chained by the neck naked next to her. So if she likes to travel with a with a party, so what? And they all and everybody chained up seems into it. So take from that what you will. Means she means she throws a good party. <laughs> yeah. Rose meets the resistance and it's just a bunch of assholes and one nice old lady with a big old stick she she beats people with. And the queen's like, hey, I got these dead bodies of warriors with cats and shit. Go murder for me. Oh, God, it's Angel Catbird all over again. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, so I know it doesn't I know it I know it didn't make it sound like much, but I did enjoy what I read of this. It is. OK, it is very formulaic, like I said. Like I said, like fucking a person named Rose, she has red hair. Fucking my God. Somebody call the Eisner Awards. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or the main character the in a fantasy story. Yeah. Or the village where a main character in a fantasy story lives gets burned down while they were away. Fucking shock of shocks. J.R.R. Tolkien <laughs> spinning in his grave right now. George R.R. Martin just lost 50 pounds. I don't know. Joseph Campbell threw out the hero's journey because he was like, no, I yeah. can't. Yeah, just retroactively, he knew this would happen. He was like, motherfucker. <laughs> Spent all my time working on this fucking bullshit for nothing. Here with a thousand faces, why don't you go suck a thousand dicks? But I do, for, I don't know why, but I like the reason. I like. I like the idea of the most fucking stalwart awesome warriors in the land just got a cat. Mm. And the art style is in this is uh it's pretty good. Uh it's uh it's drawn by um Ig Guara. Sorry for pronouncing that mm. wrong. That's a name. It definitely is. After the first time I said it, I then I then like subconsciously turned it into Iguana. <laughs> so you mean like when you watch Godzilla 98 and you I instinctively say iguana? Yeah, exactly. 
Yeah, you know, Zilkwan. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, he does. He does a really good job with the fantasy stuff. Um, he has. I think he's pretty good with backgrounds. Good with like character faces. Just one thing that is a bit weird is like body language. Okay, that can always be a little strange if it's not handled right. Yeah, yeah. There's especially this one. Like scene. I've seen people do some ridiculously weird poses for some sort of dramatic effect. Sometimes if the art doesn't know, you know, like sandwich legs or. <laughs> yeah, but, I mean, you know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah, yeah. It's yeah, yeah. It's a. Uh... It isn't so much sandwich legs so much as, like, I... There's a bit near the end where they are... Where, like, Rose is sitting with the Resistance, like, Oh, hey, it's... Oh, like, you're the Resistance. She just kind of, like, learns learns this is the Resistance and figures... Puts, like, two and two together. And then she immediately goes into a pose, like, just walked in on her getting out of the bath. <laughs> oh, I mean, wouldn't you? No. I'd, like... <laughs> I'd probably fart. And then run... He's like, oh, great, fucking rebels. I'm going to leave. Y'all do your bullshit, whatever. I'm going I'm to go like die at the age of 30. Because it's fantasy times and I have nothing else to do. The Everyone inter- getting dysentery. Yeah, the internet <laughs> hasn't been invented yet, so I can't bitch about comics, which also haven't been invented yet. Just sitting in the pub, like screaming about the fucking like latest play from somebody. Everyone's like, "You fucking dumbass! You can read." Read will never catch you on. Uh, the original nerddom literacy. <laughs> yeah, some fucking Poindexter's walking down the street with just like his giant fucking like Coke bottle glasses because those are the only kind that exist. And somebody just smacks the shit out of his hands like, "Oh, what is this paper? What are you gonna go start a fire?" It's like, "No, I'm gonna write on it." <laughs> Nerd knows how to write. Hey, why don't you write this? Just wipes his ass with it. <laughs> I see you've written the first comedy, sir. <laughs> the nutty professor, you say? <laughs> yeah, Rose is all right. It seems like it has some legs. And it also seems okay. like it is a Meredith Finch book where, like, it shouldn't be as good as it is, but it's pretty all right. Hmm. That kind of seems, based on the two experiences I've had with Meredith Finch, that seems to be her modus. Just, yeah, this doesn't seem like it'll be the best or anything, or it seems like it'll be pretty bad. You read it, it's like, yeah, it's all right. So the Meredith Finch formula is, yeah, it's bland and formulaic, but she tries, so it's okay. Yeah, like there is a, there is enough new there is enough new ideas or like actual craft in it for it to be like yeah it's all right but not nearly enough for her to like make a real name beyond just like yeah she writes that stuff sometimes yeah she exists again not meaning to insult it's just that's the feeling I get reading your book spirits I'm sorry eh. At least, like you said, like it seems like she's trying, and she's not. She's not just piggybacking off like David Finch's name or husband, and just. Oh no, like, she she's out there trying to make a name for yeah. herself as a for realsies yeah. writer. Yeah, that's what I mean. So you know, that's that. I'm glad to hear that you enjoyed reading it, uh, uh, despite uh, you know our comments. <laughs> yeah. About her. Yeah, that's I'll, cool. I'll take my jabs where I can get them, but fuck if you're. If you're good, I'll I mean, read she, your shit. 
she, she wasn't assigned one of the greatest follow-ups to like come after a fucking one of the base, best acclaimed runs of the new 52 one of the only ones that was actually well received and, like they brought her in a, a, you know a very new writer like you know what i mean like yeah <laughs> it was not fair for her to follow up azarello on that book like, no, it was not. And I also just yeah. <laughs> and I also just looked it up. Apparently, she wrote a few different uh, stories for Grim Fairy Tales from Xenoscope. Yeah, I think including, that was the only thing she including she did prior the, to it. Yeah, including the 2014 swimsuit special. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> oh, Xenoscope, you, know, you fucking hacks. <laughs> oh, Xenoscope, you make dynamite look like they have taste. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I have nothing else to say about Xenoscope. Yeah, that's yeah. fair. <laughs> so, Birdie, final book. All right. Um, I'm just trying to get my list. I've got a couple of options. I wasn't sure exactly which one to talk about. One of them, I have to talk about a person I don't like and a book that I like but is controversial to some people throw shade (laughs) Uh, spider-man black cat the evil that men do is this the kevin smith one yep okay and unfortunately this was written in that time where he was trying to be an actual writer and director and not a pot (laughs) a pot smoking podcasting giant buffoon (laughs) Uh, he's also directing dc cw shows now (laughs) well not entire shows he's brought in to direct episodes and he shows up as cameos in animated movies he showed up in the teen titans yeah yeah, he he, he podcasted beast boy and i kind of wanted to punch the screen when i saw that but (laughs) (sighs) so this but but this story um, is back when you know people were writing actual Black Cat versus whatever she is now, uh, and it's a weird point in the story because it's like Peter is married and had had left Felicia years ago, and she had left town and done other things in other places, and she but she returns to New York. To help a friend with something. If I was a shittier and person, I would have come back with by Felicia. <laughs> but yeah, uh, this um, for, uh, the thing she's helping her friend with uh, ends up coinciding with Spider-Man's search for people who are selling a new form of heroin that seems to be more addictive. And it leads to them rekindling their friendship and, you know, sparks fly again but it's still peter's like you know i'm happily married and she's upset that she kind of screwed up the relationship and back when she said you know could you just maybe not be peter parker ever yeah just i only want to fuck your costume is that weird i feel like that's weird yeah so and she's kind of grown up and upset okay that's not a rational mindset so She's grown up enough now to where she probably could date Peter Parker respectfully, but, you know, he's married now. But, you know, good old Mephisto might fix that in a little while. Uh, back in the days when 
fucking Felicity Jones or the shit her name is could be like a reasonable Felicia person. Hardy. Yeah, Felicia Hardy. Yeah. Could be like a reasonable person yeah. who wasn't just like, oh, you hit me once, so I'm going to be a crime boss. Yeah. So um, it's discovered that uh, two billionaires in New York are behind it because, you know, obviously uh, Felicia goes after one of them, the more deliberately douchey one. Uh, and this turns out to be a bad idea because his ability is to teleport small amounts of fluid wherever he wants. So he teleport roofies her. Okay, I would have gone a different route. <laughs> I would have teleported something out of her instead of into her. Yeah, but I mean, his teleportation ability is limited to small amounts of fluid. He literally can't teleport more mass than that. He explains that himself. Oh no, but so I, I, was, about, I was thinking like, hey, just like let's like let's see what happens if we like pop out some of your spinal fluid. Yeah, but you have to remember, uh, this guy's a date rapist. Okay, yeah, that that makes more sense now. Yeah. And he's about to um, do the deed when his head explodes. <laughs> Naturally. And uh, it looks bad when the cops show up. <laughs> so, and she's arrested for however she must have murdered him <laughs> from yeah, whoever the cops You're did. under arrest for Lucifer murder. <laughs> yeah. And uh, her uh, her attorney uh, is Matt Murdock because Peter asked for a favor. Also, I think he might be the only lawyer in well, like aside from fucking Jennifer she Walters. Yeah, yeah. Who is currently making Patsy Walker loads and loads of money and hating her own life? Yeah, naturally. <laughs> but um. Yeah, so while this is happening, it's discovered that uh, the re- the person who killed um, the rapist was his brother who was helping him with his crimes, who was a much more powerful teleporter, who teleported a golf ball into his brain. Yeah, golf balls are known to explode. <laughs> if you, dis- you have to, dis- I assume you have to displace the mass is the reason for it. But eh. <laughs> unless you displaced like that much mass at like the speed of light, I could I could see like oh yeah like his eyes pop out or something. But yeah, either way he's dead. Uh, and this okay, <laughs> this is the controversial part, and I'm not sure why Kevin Smith felt the need to include this as part of the story. But this features a retcon of Felicia Hardy's backstory, where the reason she got into theft is in college she was sexually assaulted by someone in her dorm Uh. and she later tried to get revenge but he died in a drunken car accident so she was left with a bunch of directionless rage Uh. so she's just started stealing and that's the that's the thing i don't like about this oh that's terrible yeah what the fuck kevin smith yeah and and it's a real shame too because this is drawn by the Dodsons. So Oh god damn it. So it looks great. It has some of my favorite DC not DC Marvel characters from different it has Daredevil being Daredevil, not uh whatever the fuck he is when he's just like, you know, I'm not Daredevil, so I'm just gonna be a lawyer. 
because you know that that works for him. Yeah, totally. Plus, Daredevil always had kind of a weird, awesome camaraderie with Spider-Man, so I like it when they work yeah. together. And because they're dealing with teleporters, Nightcrawler is in this briefly. <laughs> you know, not, not naturally. He's German. <laughs> yeah. It's always funny when they have him lean into the German because uh, there when when he first teleports in daredevil decides to do pun offs and say ask for the devil so of course night cross go when does the devil appear <laughs> i i can't remember which version of this though like was this like when nightcrawler was super religious or no uh he's he's I not see he, he wasn't acting that he wasn't acting that religious i mean cause, oh, okay well, this was in the period where the version of Nightcrawler most people were familiar with was from the 2004 X2 movie. Yeah. It was, which was not all that great on revisitation, but because uh, like that Nightcrawler is never allowed to have any fun, and he's one of the more fun X Men characters. Uh, but uh, anyway, um, this all culminates with um, a fight on top of a bridge. And, of course, Peter's having some bad PTSD because it's, you know, that bridge. Yeah, the only bridge in New York. Well, I can't tell if you're joking or not because... I, I'm 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 kind of not and kind of am because, like, I know, I know the bridge you're talking about, but also it seems to be the only bridge they ever show. That's true. It is the only bridge they ever show, but there is definitely more than one bridge in and out of New York. <laughs> ah. We Canadians I, thought I am, there was only one bridge. I am very much <laughs> aware that there are multiple bridges coming in and out of New York. It's just, as far as Spider-Man is concerned, there is only one. And it's the one that literally everything happens on in every universe. Yeah. That's the bridge where the Punisher shot him through the fucking kidney. Yeah. Yeah. But, um... The bridge where Gwen Stacy died. It's probably, so, the, it's probably the bridge where fucking Peter Parker died in fucking the Gwen Stacy universe or whatever. Yeah. Just like, oh yeah, I oh yeah, I was dying in the football field, but then they were driving me across the bridge for reasons, and I died there. So yeah, but the brother um, pops into the to Felicia's jail cell and just takes her. Uh, he's not trying. He's not trying to rape her because he he feels sorry for her because uh, he can sense that she was abused and her his brother, the rapist douchebag that he was, abused him not sexually but physically. So they have a camaraderie of sen- of sorts for this. But then when Peter and Daredevil show up, he kind of flips his shit and is about to kill them both when Felicia talks him down, but he can't live with himself, so he throws himself off the bridge. Uh. So yeah, like I said, there's good stuff in this, but Kevin Smith fucked the story up. <laughs> yeah. I I remember it's been a while since I read it, but I remember enjoying most of it overall. But yeah, right. no, there's so, a lot to enjoy. It's I mean, it's Terry Dodson art. They're one of my favorite, like like fun, sexy artists, kind of like Frank Cho. Uh, I liked this version of Black Cat and her relationship with uh, Spider Man was always one of the more fun things. It's a, this is this was okay. This a lot of people point out that Black Cat is obviously a Catwoman ripoff, but. Um, 
the thing I always liked more about her, I liked about her in comparison to Catwoman is that because Spider-Man does not have the I must be the knight, I must be justice thing that Batman has, her, his relationship with Black Cat was more sort of, uh, she was trying to get him to lean into the more fun parts of being Spider-Man and not be as responsible or as uptight. And I always kind of liked that as a narrative conceit for their relationship. But you know, yeah, and like from what I from what I remember of their relationship, that. like yeah, before before it got slotted, yeah, like their relationship, it for the most part, it was kind of working. Like it, like she was getting, like he was, like a, he was a being a bit lax, I guess. Like when he was hanging out with her, it's like I should yeah. go do this. She's like, Nah, come on, bro, let's fucking hang out. Or or if or failing that, he would get her to be a bit more responsible. Yeah, which was kind of what this story was. Like, yeah, it was aside whole, from was a, was a whole give or take thing, you know, like a real relationship or something. Yeah, but then you know she got slotted, and Kevin Smith has just gone on to become a worse and worse and worse writer, teller of stories, person. You write his Green Hornet shit. I did, and I think I did, and I think that was from about the same time as this. Also, I don't. I think Kevin Smith was probably not as has never been a consistently good worker because this is a six issue mini, and it took four years to write. Hmm, that I did not know. Wow. Yeah. So the, either it the was release just schedule is- out that way, or. I've, I can't imagine the Dodsons were the problem because they've kept no. up with art on a regular basis. The yeah, Dodsons so are fucking like, workers. Yeah. Yeah. So I think there has been a problem with Kevin Smith. <laughs> Just saying. I mean, that's fair. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's that, that one narrative conceit. If they've left that out, this book would be great because it's just a fun story about how Black Cat and Peter have both, and Spider-Man have both changed and what it was that drew them to each other in the first place. But that... That sounds like... That sounds like it, like he was trying to actually make her more Catwoman, because wasn't... Wasn't it? Yeah, there in the 90s there was a version of Catwoman's backstory where she was yeah, like an abused, crossed, abused hooker. Guess who came up with that version? Frank Miller. Yeah, I should have seen that coming. That that makes way too much sense. Yeah, yeah. And I wish this had been a continuation where some other more competent writer had continued this Spider-Man Black Cat thing with the Dodson art, but took it in more interesting directions. Because I just remembered that around the same time, Kevin Smith wrote a couple issues of Daredevil. Yeah, and they were kind of well regarded but then it was then Bendis and Malave did their yeah. run immediately after that yeah <laughs> well well to be to be fair though whether you like that Daredevil or not he did help them come out of that whole bankruptcy stage by bringing him over to write that that was a big deal when he came and wrote that book like yeah people, no and he brought he, he, it was a big it was a big help for them and he had Joe Casada yeah, well, but like there's there's lots of it. but there's lots of stuff like that that you're like, okay, I'm appreciate what you did then, but now yeah. you're fucking up. Like yeah. Joe Casada, it's like, yes, I'm glad you brought Marvel out of bankruptcy, but one more day. Yeah. Or uh or uh 
something Perlmutter. I'm glad you took over Marvel and ran the business empire I... to help get it out of bank Mike Perlmutter. But now you're fucking up the TV shows, so shut the fuck up. <laughs> and it's that Hey James Robinson, it's... you write good stuff, but gay for justice. Yeah. And then he's like, and, yeah, think, and he's like, oh god, Gabe just was so fucking stupid. Hey, Airboy, let's go fuck some trainees. And and Kevin Smith is one of the <laughs> biggest examples of you did a lot of great stuff in the '90s and early 2000s. Yeah, but then pot, I think, just rotted your brain, and you just you disappeared up the hole of your fans. You 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 surrounded yourself with just this little blanket of everyone saying you're the greatest director ever. And then you just made shit like Tusk and yoga hosers <laughs> and, uh, and pucky charms. And Is that a thing? I hadn't heard of pucky charms. Yeah. I heard, I've heard the other. It's two. apparently a thing in his movies, in his Canadian movies where instead of lucky charms, he has pucky. Oh, charms. Okay. Oh fuck! No, fuck know. you! Fuck you! <laughs> yeah, because I know you were saying. Is, what is it with fucking Americans and hockey with us? I don't know. Just, well, I mean, do you want me to list the various ways that Kevin Smith is offensive to Canadians? Because this will be funny <laughs> talking to two Canadians. Yeah, sure. Fuck, let's do this. Happy Canada Day, shit dicks. Um, the most common joke in the last two in the two most recent, recent movies is two girls saying over and over again, "Sorry, boot that." Yeah. <sighs> yeah, yeah. No. God damn it! Do, God damn it, Baba Doug McKenzie. Yeah. You fucking Speaking say which, that, I forgot. and then fucking everybody's like, "Oh yeah, they always think a boot up there, eh?" You sound so offended. <laughs> I kind of am. Like, <laughs> nah, I'm used to it at this point. I mean, but it's not something that we joke about, Prince, here as Canadians. Like, it's really just this outside influence of like people that think that's uh, some people legitimately think that that's how it is in, in everywhere all over Canada, which is but yeah, it, but but it's just like. America has regional stereotypes. Like, like, you know, people from New Orleans, there's a stereo, there's a stereotypical way they talk. People from the fucking rest of the South, there's a stereotypical way they talk. People from fucking New York, stereotypical way they talk. For Canada, all of Canada is the same. It's a lazy stereotype. <laughs> right. Eh, that's all right. I'm fine with it. it like, really like, no, like, nobody, like, nobody from fucking America... When they make it fun of Canadians, nobody overgoes fucking tabernacle. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but nobody make, nobody makes make fucking newfie jokes. <laughs> nobody goes, Lord, thundering Jesus. It's all just, oh yeah, how about that, eh? <laughs> That's true. No, That's all, all, all we all we know is camp pining hearts. That I find funny. <laughs> because they at least frame it differently they frame it as a fucking like whatever reason the like the veneer of a soap opera a canadian kids soap opera yeah like the idea that we have our own culture that isn't hockey <laughs> Uh, 
It's, uh, do you all do you always meet people with uh, bottles of, with with um, plates of fries and poutine? <laughs> well, that's just I redundant because there are fries in poutine. <laughs> I love poutine. <laughs> like, like we, we don't like when we when we bring somebody poutine, we don't bring then an extra set of fries to go with it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is kind of ridiculous, Bertie. <laughs> That would, that would be like bringing somebody a Big Mac and then a fucking slider on the side. I'd go for that. <laughs> that would be uh, like bringing somebody a bottle of Coke and then having them wash it down with a can of Coke. <laughs> You've never met Caveman in person, have you? Just one of these things is a less, just like, hey, I have this thing and then a lesser version of the thing I brought you. Oh, God. This has got to be one of the biggest derailments of all time on this show. <laughs> oh, we're sorry about that, eh? Well, it, well, I hate Kevin Smith, and Dead Man hates Kevin Smith making fun of Canada, so... It's right. lazy. Yeah. Come up with yeah. new jokes, you fucking... I want to make a joke... I, I was going to make a joke about his weight, but that is too lazy. It's too easy. I would just say like he needs to stop smoking pot because it which is weird because he constantly made jokes about people saying, Are you smoking pot? because what you're saying sounds insane. Apparently he's never asked himself that question. They make shirts other than hockey jerseys. You know what's you know what's actually very funny is the person to blame for him starting to smoke pot is Seth Rogan, a Canadian. <laughs> what are you doing, Seth? Come on, man. <laughs> He's making movies like Sausage Party. Yeah. I've heard good things. I think it, okay. it seems to depend on who you are, apparently. Yeah. But anyway, um, I really wanted to really love this story, but, you know, that thing. Yep. Yeah. Understandable. It's, it's sort of like how... Um, you know that the great if, if you were reading Charles Sewell's uh, She-Hulk, and it was discovered that the secret behind it is that she was raped and forced to be a lawyer or something. You're like, what? Why? <laughs> yeah, she had all this pent up rage left, so she just channeled it all into her lawyering. <laughs> You're going to law school now. No. <laughs> or like That's Carol terrible. Danvers had a legitimate reason for being a bitch. Oh wait. Uh, my friends are hurt so fuck the world i'm gonna be a good i'm a good i'm gonna be a good precog come on guys we got a red ball anyway nico (laughs) (laughs) all right all right let me quickly just uh talk about outcast uh i figure it's been a while since i've talked about this book on the show I uh, have continued show where people beat people and it's not uncomfortable. Yeah. Uh, I actually haven't finished the first season. I, 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 I'm watching most of it, but I think I still have like a couple episodes to go uh, before it returns. Season two I, is enjoy- already airing. Is it really? Yeah. I didn't know either. Oh, fuck. I didn't know that. When did it start? A couple weeks ago. Oh, okay then. Well, it looks like I really have to catch up then. I, I enjoyed most of the first season actually um and uh so yeah i'll i'll be checking that out um so yeah yeah this is the robert kirkman property has a show on tv um 
the reason I didn't really talk about it for the most part was because for a while there, although it was still uh, good in moving the story along, it was meandering a bit and it kind of, not much was happening. Like it was a very, very slow burn. Um, uh, and it's on issue 27 now, but I think in the last couple of issues, some big things have happened in the storyline, which I felt was worth mentioning. Um, and it might happen now in the second season of the show. I'm not sure because the show was actually very close to the first like 15 or 20 issues worth of storyline. I would say in the comic, like exactly what was happening in that. Um, so basically in this, uh, the main character, he has the power basically to drive these, uh, you know, the, he's the outcast, the guy that cause he has the power to drive these, uh, these possessions out of people, right? Like, yeah, these uh, quote unquote demons demons and uh and basically it was him and the priest kind of teaming up and trying to take them out but they found out a while ago that although it looked like he was able to uh, the priest was able to get the demons out of people it was only like a temporary effect and meanwhile they were really just doing jack shit like to towards actually stopping people from like the demon would just come come back or go move on to somebody else like they weren't actually destroying them so yeah the other demon in for those watching the show, I guess, uh, the demon was, like, dormant, I guess. Yeah. And, and basically, it's, like, so, built themselves a personality. Like, when they came through, they were, like, feral and shit and, like, you know, eating their own fingernails and headbutting, co- headbutting cockroaches and shit. And then yeah. they leave them in there for a while, and it's like, oh, hey, I pay taxes. And, and then the priest... The priest... Um, Basically, yeah. So he thought he was doing all this good. People were appreciating what he was doing. He thought he was making a difference. And then he fi- turns around and finds out that he actually has not. He's been fighting a losing battle this whole time. And um, basically, he gets abducted by the main demon in this. The guy who we basically think is like the devil like incarnate like in this book in Outcast. The one with the fancy man. hat. Yes. Um, he, he basically abducts him. Like He ends up like carving like a pentagram or some shit into his chest and like torturing him and basically he ends up stabbing the shit out of him in this comic until uh, his actual entrails like are just like actually coming out of his butt. It was a mm. very violent brutal fucking scene like <laughs> from Outcast that's odd. <laughs> yeah, I know shocking, right? <laughs> um so yeah, so that ended up happening. He kind of lost it after that whole thing happened and uh but basically now the the main character forgot his name uh his wife is now back with him with his yes kyle yeah um his wife is now back with him in the comic book like they've actually uh are living like in a remote area with him uh and now that they that it was revealed that these things actually existed and his wife has actually somewhat forgiven him for thinking that he was just like you know he was just an abusive like husband and that that obviously there was other things at play um so so now they're back together kind of at the moment um the priest is still kind of uh, involved as well uh, and then his uh and then his father uh his long lost father who he has never he hasn't seen in forever basically uh or ever i think for that matter basically uh appears and says i'm your father and and it turns out that this thing that you have we have in common you got it from me and now i'm going to basically train you 
So that was the big thing that happened a couple of issues ago that they've basically just been fleshing out now. And and this recent issue, number 27, that came out, uh, they're all holed up in this house, uh, this, uh, this like house that they're all staying in in some uh, rural area. And his sister is delivering groceries to him. Uh, they're just basically off the grid. His daughter's not going to school. His wife's with him with his daughter. And they've just been training for four months in the basement, him and his dad, uh, basically just training him how to learn how to better own these skills and, and basically drive the demons out of these people. And by the end of this issue... Was there a really cool montage where he, where he was like, you know, like hitting, hitting like a side of beef trying to expel the demons from it? No. <laughs> Unfortunately, no. I, I would have for that <laughs> yeah just just go full rocky, rocky but everything he style. does is yeah. just demons <laughs> just climbs the mountain and just, just like, oh, climbs the mountain in russia and screams and demons fly out of the mountain yeah he, he runs up up a flight of stairs just throws his hands up in the air triumphantly while punching demons <laughs> no yeah. that did not happen unfortunately no no no, no, no he climbs the stairs and just fucking like shoulder checks kid <laughs> get out of well, here you bastard <laughs> well what does happen which is almost a version of that in a sense is he does he does basically bust out his training day as uh he comes up to him after like four months of training um and says to him okay um i'm gonna take you out into the world now i can't do all i can do for you here in terms of training we gotta actually go out into the world and he basically brings him to like some sort of like abandoned like looks like crack house and he opens the door and there's like fucking like there's like 10 of these demon and people inside of the room and he's like okay you know have at her <laughs> you know like just like you know like let's see what you got you know let's yeah, see just, uh, your skills here. Does he just like throw it open kick him in by the ass and shut the door and just kind of hold himself against it <laughs> so uh so yeah i think that the last arc uh, there has been some big changes and some progression in the book after there wasn't for a bit um, it has still been enjoyable, so if you have fallen behind or you haven't been reading this, I would catch up. Uh, I have really liked this last uh, handful of issues that have come out, and the story has gotten uh, much more interesting, and it actually has some other layers to it um, than before. Yeah, and it looks, so, yeah. And it looks like the next uh, few issues are going to be coming out on a monthly schedule now. Okay. I mean, I, it's yeah. smart, I guess. Yeah, we've got, uh, we got another issue coming out at the end of this month, then issue coming out at the end of June, and the issue coming out at the end of July. Okay, so I mean, it'll probably be out the whole time. I guess the show's on the air then, if that's the uh, the case. So, uh, you know, it's uh, it, it, you know, it is a Kirkman book. So if you don't really like stuff that he's done, uh, you might not like this. It's definitely, I guess, got a different tone than the other things that he's written. Um, it's dark, but not like Walking Dead is, if that makes any sense. It's a little different. I'm really looking uh, forward to the crossover between Outcast and Invincible. Between what? Sorry. Between Outcast and Invincible. The crossover. <laughs> you imagine that? No, that'd be weird. <laughs> any any weirder than the crossover between Revival and Chew? Yeah, that's true. That was strange. I did like it. Though. As long as that crossover I, I exists with Image, I don't think you can really rule out any other crossover. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there is a such thing as the Invincible Universe, so maybe he'll be, he'll expand that and make an Outcast Universe next. Who knows? But yeah, Invincible is going to fly in, see him beating a child, and then just try to kill him. And then, whoops, it's a demon! <laughs> Time to throw this oh, demon into the sun. 
You just reminded me of Invincible's ending soon. Yeah, oh. that is. <laughs> and it's get. It looks like it's gonna be a fucking. It's, it, there, some planets are gonna get fucked up in that. Uh, I'm, I'm disappointed about that. I, I look forward. To- uh, but like, anyways, like, Invincible's I, good, but they've been kind of running low on ideas lately. Sure. Like, the last couple arcs haven't been that yeah. great, and once they've done, like, the time travel thing, they kind of don't really have anywhere else to go. Yeah. I, I, I Yeah, you're not wrong. I, I would say after the villain uh, invasion, it kind of... Yeah, after that, I think they kind of blew their load, so to speak, on that on that uh, on that storyline. They're probably never um, going to resolve I, Mark's rape baby. I mean, they addressed it in the last arc. Yeah, they, they addressed it, but her. they never really. No, there was no closure. Yeah, to, like what happened? Yeah, it, it's yeah, just oh, true. this happened. Then the series is over. Yeah, yeah. So I'm sure she'll get killed, though. That that woman. That's probably what <laughs> will end up happening. She'll probably punch her face in. Yeah, just, oh god, I'm so horrible to try to hang herself, but she just flies. Yeah. Just, damn it. <laughs> Why am I so strong? But anyways, yeah, that's Outcast. Uh so not bad. Alrighty then. So yeah. my final book, Hulk. Right. Things are about to start happening. <sighs> Took a while. A little bit. So for those who haven't caught up with this book or haven't really heard us talk about it before. Uh, the Hulk is the new She-Hulk book where She-Hulk, Jennifer Walters, uh, refuses to turn into She-Hulk because of horrible post-traumatic stress. Yeah. Uh, she got real fucked up as She-Hulk in the Civil War 2. And now she just won't turn. And when she does start turning, it's like a panic attack. And so we see a... So in the fifth issue, we see a bit of her, like, before she's kind of out, before she has found some way of dealing with it. I mean, it works, but you don't really get what you want out of it. Yeah. Like, uh, like what happens is uh, Carol, in all her fucking horribleness, is standing there talking to her about stuff then then all of a sudden Bruce is there Bruce Banner her cousin and the two of them are talking like having a conversation then all of a sudden an arrow flies out of nowhere and hits him in the fucking face and she dies on her lap and then it immediately cuts away to the hospital staff screaming code green code green while hospital equipment is being thrown out of her hospital room and then we're in the present where she's being attacked by a weird bug lady in her like sentient trash pile. Yeah. And now she's going to go Hulk out maybe, or maybe next issue, the cops will show up and then she'll, or she'll get like thrown off a fucking rooftop and get knocked unconscious and then wake up like eight days later. And and I assume it's going to happen because the, the, the little commercial for the issue after this next one says, Jennifer Walters is still trying to get the hang of her new She-Hulk persona. So presumably they just really wanted to hold off on revealing what She-Hulk was. And that worries me for a couple of reasons. 
one, um, I don't know about this artist doing Hulks. Yeah, this artist isn't the this artist isn't the greatest with like details or like really big things, especially like you, you saw the Living Trash Pile that looked kind of really bland and boring. Yeah. Two, I think um, this is a writer and artist on a book that requires some action who are not good at writing or drawing action. Nope. This book has been, up to this point, a character study, which has been good. They, they've, been doing a decent, yeah. they've been doing a decent job of painting a portrait of this of this era of Jen's life. They, they have been showing a good job. They've been doing a pretty good job of like showing her as a person. Yeah. But I feel like what they had was not enough to drag out over six issues. Nope. Especially not when more interesting things are beginning to happen or. Yeah. Like, cause like, and I think I pointed this out some time ago when I talked about this book previously her revealing her new She-Hulk persona, that's not, like, the big reveal. That's just something that's going to be part of the story. Yeah. So, it just... You can't bank their whole first story on, oh, this is what her She-Hulk... And by, by all indications, it's just going to be Grey Hulk with green scars, which, if I'm completely right about that, is just going to be incredibly disappointing because you've literally built up to the most dramatic anticlimax I've seen in a long time. Yeah, it also isn't much of a climax if it is that, because you've already shown us that on every cover. Yeah. Which also, again, leads me to the whole, oh, it's coming. It's coming. You're going to like it. It's been coming. As like, yeah, I don't really care, because it can be one of two things, and if it's not one of those two things, I'll be surprised, but it probably won't be good. So you're stuck in this position of building up to the wettest of wet farts basically she's gonna hulk out and turn just turn into amadeus cho yeah and i and I, i'm not talking about like you know a newly drawn amadeus like amaze like awesome totally awesome hulk thing i'm talking about like photoshop cut out of the first few issues drawn by frank cho so it just turns into yeah. essentially ninja slayer the animation inside of a regular comic book yeah if it did that, so, I would pay money. I would pay way more money for that. But it's not going to be that. It's going to be just yeah. some fucking bullshit of like, oh yeah, she's like, she's like the she's like the She Hulk, but not anymore because she's that. Yeah, it just feels like the only thing they really had for the story was talking about how Jen's traumas have affected her as a character and her powers, but. They're so because between the writer not wanting to write action and the artist not being really good at drawing action or whatever this form of She Hulk they're gonna go with, they've been really dragging out the reveal. So this first arc, which I was kind of okay with at first, which surprised me because I thought I was gonna hate this given the whole tie-in to Civil War Two, but it's just become laborious. So here's an idea. Uh, what if they hadn't gone? any action like not even hinting at action and it was just like the character study just like jen interacting with the other superheroes in the community like interacting with her friends interacting with her regular life and just trying to deal with herself being like not 
not being able to handle the She-Hulk anymore and like not really writing it out like they did, but be it more just kind of in expression. Like I yeah, think, I think this like artist, it. I think this artist does like a decent job with like expressing, like showing Jen, showing Jennifer's emotions on her face and like through body language stuff. I feel like that. I feel like this artist does a decent job with that. Yeah, no, the artist does a good job with expressions and characterization, but not action. Yeah, and so if, if this book had have just been the character stuff, you know, because what it's currently reminding me of is the incredibly dated and stupid uh, 70s Hulk TV series <laughs> where the Hulk came out for like five minutes out of a 45 minute episode and it was always in slow-mo and it was usually against dudes. Yeah, she's she Hulk's going to destroy this building, see what she did, and then just all, and then just all of a sudden it's going to be like a single shot of her from the back walking off into the distance, which is a little editor's note saying, play the Hulk ending theme over this. <laughs> yeah, and that was may have been worked in the in the seventies when that was made, but now it's dated and lame. And they that was proved by the fact that Ang Lee tried to do the exact same fucking thing with his Hulk movie. And God, that movie's awful. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> when you guys originally talked about this book, I wasn't on the show that week, and uh, and I ended up reading the first three or four issues, and. Uh, I dropped off of it. I don't think it's for me. I, I, I think there was some good stuff going on, like you guys are talking about, but uh, it, it felt very uh, boring and, and there wasn't much going on for me. Yeah. Like, yeah. like, like, well, like it's because, like, if they had focused entirely on Jin as a character and just, like, cut out the obvious setup to the thing that Jin is going to have to fight as the new She Hulk. Mm. This might have been more enjoyable because it would have been just a character piece. And I was saying, hey, you know, maybe this new Jen who can't really control She-Hulk could, like, meet with the guy who shot her brother in the face, her cousin in the face. Or, you know, Carol in her infinite wisdom attempts to be, you know, sympathetic to Jen and it just results in her hulking out and punching her in the face. Or she, or she, like tries to like bring her back into the fold. Like, hey, come on, you need this. And then the second she goes out, there, she starts screaming. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know if that's just a result of um, this person being uh, primarily indie writer, who's basically this and the Supergirl thing I talked about, where some of her like first comics work, like in the actual big two. Um, maybe that's why and maybe she's not used to writing a book and she thought this would be an interesting take on this character and it, it just isn't panning out like uh it's really weird i, I think there's it's, it's it, really... there's some good there's some good there though and there is some interesting things going on like it would be interesting to explore but i don't think it's a good balance of what makes a comic book good like or interesting because it's it's I don't know it's it's just something about it. I read the three issues and it wasn't bad, but I was it just wasn't great yeah, either. It, it, yeah. it was trying to both be a character study of a character going through trauma, and a more traditional Hulk book, and that balance is not working well, particularly with this right. creative team. So it just feels dull. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So that's Hulk. Are you guys going to continue reading it though? Like I'm going to read issue. the sixth issue. Yeah, I'm going to yeah. read because like they they released the the pre order for the trades, and it's going to be the first six issues. 
issues, and that seems to be a story arc. So I'm going to complete this story arc and then decide mm-hmm. whether or not I'm going to keep reading. I'm definitely not going to read issue to issue again after the sixth issue. Right. Yeah. If I read it again, it's yeah. going to be in trade. All right. Uh, I, well, maybe t- talk about it one of you guys in the future again if you do continue, because I would like to know. Like, I would like to like the book. It just it, it didn't click for me. Like, you know, so. Yeah, no, I know. Yep. So. This is how we'll be reading then. On to news. So first up, uh, remember Comixology Unlimited? Yes. Yep. Marvel's getting in on that. Yeah, I saw that. Smart. Yeah, so uh, for those who didn't hear about it um, last year, uh, Amazon and Comixology announced Comixology Unlimited, something that was like kind of being touted out by people as Netflix for comics. Mm-hmm. Where you would pay a monthly fee, in this case, six bucks American, and then you would get a selection of comics you could just kind of read whenever you want. Uh, they would like swap out comics in, they would like swap comics in and out of rotation, and it would just be like, hey, yeah, I pay this, you pay this fee, then you get to read these books as often as you want, as many times as you want, so long as they're available on the service. And it was mostly from creator owned publishers and like and like smaller studios and other stuff like that, um, like IDW, Image, Boom, uh, Kodansha. And it mm-hmm. was partly, you know, a a you know Netflix for comics kind of thing, but also more of like a sampler where like they will only release like the first volume or the first issue of something if it's like a new series and just say, hey, you want the rest? Fucking buy it. And missing from that were the big two. Uh, Marvel and DC didn't really have any books on this service. But now Marvel is getting in on this. Uh, So they'll be having a bunch of books, which I'll be reading off a list of that. Uh, They'll be having a bunch of those books as part of Comixology Unlimited. Even though Marvel has its own digital subscription service, also called Unlimited. Right. Uh, There'll also be some books coming to... Kindle Unlimited and Amazon's Prime Reading Services. So, Comixology uh, CEO and co-founder David Steinberg said in a statement, We are thrilled to have part of Marvel's vast library of superheroes join Comixology Unlimited, Kindle Unlimited, and Prime Reading. With the addition of Marvel Comics, this is a great opportunity to discover and explore the best that comics have to offer. And for those just starting out reading Marvel Comics, Kindle Unlimited and Prime Reading are great places to begin. So, as of right now, uh, here are the comics available for limited subscribers with more titles coming soon. There is All New Wolverine Issues 1 to 10. Uh, Amazing Spider-Man Volume 1.1 Learning to Crawl. That is that 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 is um the trade that collects issues 1.1 to 1.5 in between Superior and Amazing, I think. Uh no, I think it was when they relaunched Amazing after yeah, post Superior. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Then also, Amazing Spider-Man Volume 3, Spider-Verse. The first issue of the new America comic. Yay. <laughs> Black Panther, who is the Black Panther? Uh, Black Widow, issues 1 to 12. Uh, Cable and Deadpool, Volume 1. The first Civil War. <laughs> right. The first issue of the new Electra comic. Uh, Fantastic Four, Special 2005. Gamora, issue 1 to 3, of the new Gamora series from, well, the newer Gamora series from last year. Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 1, Cosmic Avengers, Guardians of the Galaxy, New Guard Volume 1, Emperor Quill. Uh, 
Invincible Iron Man, issues one to twelve. That is from two thousand eight series. First volume of first issue of the new Iron Fist book. Ms. Marvel Volume One. Rocket Raccoon issues one and two from last year's Rocket Raccoon. First volume of the Runaways. Volume three of She Hulk. That is uh, the two thousand eight series. First volume of Spider Gwen. Volume of Star Wars. First issue of the Darth Maul. First issue, first volume of Vader. The X-23 series from 2010 and the first issue of X-Men Prime. Huh. Yep, and That's then... An interesting mix. Yep, and then Kindle Unlimited uh, gets Astonishing X-Men, Spider-Man, New Avengers, Deadpool, Star Wars, Thor, Captain America, Winter Soldier, Hawkeye, Patsy Walker, a.k.a. Hellcat, Ms. Marvel, Guardians of the Galaxy, Amazing Spider-Man, Immortal Iron Fist, uh, Jessica Jones, alias... Star Wars, Darth Vader, Who's Black Panther, Daredevil by Mark Wade, Captain Marvel, Legendary Star Lord, and The Punisher. Hmm. Yep, so there are free 30 day trials you can try out for both of these services, uh, both Comixology Unlimited and Kindle Unlimited. Check that out, see, that's for you. Um, as far as I know, it's not available in Canada, so fuck me, I guess. Yeah, I remember when you first originally made it, still isn't Comixology Unlimited. Um, well, that really sucks then. <laughs> I was not aware of that. Uh, Marvel is. I know you can get Marvel's Unlimited, but which is also apparently really good. But yep. yeah, I wonder what the idea behind this was, though, to make people try a sampling of Marvel stuff and then hopefully they transfer over to Marvel Unlimited. Or uh, sen- uh, I I don't know actually. It's yeah, that's it's either like transfer over to Marvel Limited or just buy Comicsology books so that they can get some they can get the right. fucking taste. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yep. So, Marvel has pre- has um, released a statement asking the world to just please be patient. Hydrocap will end soon. <laughs> oh, man. That it's sucks. been almost a year since yeah. this has happened. So they're just flat out throwing Nick Spencer under the bus. Oh, yeah. Kinda. Wow. That sucks. That sucks for him is what I mean. I mean that's yeah. really shitty. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, so Marvel's new statement uh, saying that, hey, things will be coming to an end soon. And also saying that um, its new Secret Empire series will be ending before the second issue has even been released, according to Hollywood Reporter. That's funny. So, in a That's statement funny. provided by Marvel to ABC News, with Marvel Comics' Secret Empire, the forces of Hydra have taken over and, due to the villainous actions of the Red Skull, have manipulated Marvel's greatest hero, quotes around that, Captain America, and forced him to adopt their cause. At Marvel, we want to assure all our fans that we hear your concerns about aligning Captain America with Hydra, and we politely ask you to allow the story to unfold before coming to any conclusion. Oh, honey. (laughs) The fact that they're actually releasing a statement about a fucking comic storyline like this. That's going to raise the trolls, unfortunately. Yeah. That's that was the, 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 the like, this, this reminds me. I don't know if you were. 
I don't know if you remember this dead man, but when that um, ghost here, there was an ad for it saying, the girls are awesome. Get over it. <sighs> you know, yeah. the internet baffles us sometimes, but it's always funnier when someone gets the internet less than we do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was a bad move on their part. That uh, whole... I feel bad for an expenser. <laughs> it's like, yeah, that's really, I do too. Yeah, to be honest. Like, like, I, I don't think the yeah. book was a bad idea, really. I just think it got away from him. Yeah, and he did not help it at all. No, he did not. Attacking, attacking fans on the internet. Like, he gave in to the, that's prob- to the that's trolls. Prob- that's probably why they're throwing him right. under the bus. If he had right. kept his cool, Marvel would have tried to have his back probably but when he yeah. went after the people who buy their books they're like okay we can't yeah we're done yeah. we're done uh hey like yeah it's great um hydra is a nazi organization and like fuck I, this i guess I, I i wouldn't be surprised that uh, due to the, the the them talking already about relaunching a bunch of their their books once that this event is over that he leaves the captain america books like i i would not be surprised if that happened at this point like, nope. then he gets shit. back to what we all want him to do more morning glories Oh yes, yeah. I'll I'll be there. <laughs> I'll be there to check that out. Fucking morning glories. <laughs> uh, anyways, <laughs> besides, if there's a if there's an event Marvel needs to throw under the bus, it's Venomverse. Oh god! <laughs> I keep forgetting yeah. that's a thing. Throw slot under the bus already, Marvel. God damn it! <laughs> you, know, you know the worst part is when they're relaunching the Venom with. I guess it's the Eddie Brock Venom again now. Or Who the fuck cares? Uh, no, no, no. I'm saying the worst part is I don't really have any interest in reading it. But that big issue when he makes a return, uh, Tribe Board is supposed to be drawing it. Oh man! I, yeah, I really want to check it out just for his visuals on that. But you know. Not, I have no interest in reading it like whatsoever at this point, but it's it's like at the same time I kind of want to see what he does with the Spider-Man stuff. So <sighs> yeah, and he and you know he's an artist that's going to do that. Be it probably like he he's not announced as an ongoing artist. He's just like I'm doing this return issue, uh, Venom 150 or some shit like that or 300. It's one of those big numbers. Yeah, it's I, something. Yeah. Anyways. Anyway, uh, that is for like real comic news. Uh, comic adjacent news with like movies and stuff uh, so Hellboy's getting a film reboot yeah I heard that yeah so Millennium Pictures or Millennium Films or whatever the fuck they're called they're currently in negotiation with uh, producers Larry Gordon and Lloyd Levin uh, to reboot and relaunch Hellboy uh, Neil Marshall, who directed The Descent, has attached to direct um, the project. And currently, uh, David Harbour, who played the sheriff on Stranger Things, is in talks to play Hellboy. Yeah. That, he looks the part. Yeah. Uh, so the project, which is currently titled Hellboy Rise of the Blood Queen... Uh, is currently being written by Andrew Cosby, Christopher Golden, and Mike Mignola. You know, guy who made Hellboy. And there is no involvement with Ron Perlman, who played the character originally, 
or Guillermo del Toro, who originally brought the character to film. That's disappointing that he's not involved. But, yeah. That's also, it's R. It, it'll be rated R. Because Deadpool made money. Yeah, well, I mean, Logan also made a lot of money, and it did stuff that people were really interested in in an R-rated comic book movie, even if I think it was overrated. But I think people, I think I think different companies are looking for ways around the Marvel formula, and Deadpool and uh, the and Logan are kind of the only way people have found to get around the Marvel formula at this point. Yeah. So moving on, uh, Hulu has ordered to series the adaptation of Marvel's Runaways. Mm-hmm. That's officially a thing that is happening. Uh, is that just uh, are you disappointed by this news, or and you just don't want them to do a bad job of it? I'm yeah, sure. like I'm already yeah. not that hot on the idea with like you know Molly being the same age as everybody else. Mm-hmm. Oh, is she? Yep. That's the youngest one of the group. Oh, so she's not going to be younger. Interesting. Okay. Nope. Uh, um, she is the same age. That's yeah. I didn't know that. Yep. And da, 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 da. yeah, they've also uh, changed her from Molly Hayes to Molly Hernandez. Nothing. So is she's nothing she's supposed to be like her Hispanic or something. Or? I, I think so. Uh, they say that she is the youngest and most innocent of the group, according to Den of Geek. And again, this I'm not. My problem is not that she's Hispanic. My problem is that she's older. No, I know. I wasn't. I wasn't saying that. I'm, I'm, like, just, I'm I, telling I, it to them, the folks at home, yeah. the fucking, uh, okay. the one person who might wow. listen to this and go like, "Hey, he's fucking racist." <laughs> yeah. Well. Ah, oh, fuck. Um, also, do you think fucking they're, they're, they're going to relaunch a comic if that happens? I fucking hope not, because I just read another. Because I just read a fucking description of Gertrude, and. Gert sometimes wields a brash persona. Sometimes wields her persona as a brash social justice warrior. Oh, so you see the term? <laughs> oh, also, it's Nico's so a Wiccan. Oh, really? Instead of, you know, just goth. Yeah. And then Gertrude, she was the one with the dinosaur, right? Yep. Yeah, that's right. Do you see these Tread More pages I posted? Yeah, I did. And I also just read more of that fucking <laughs> description for Gert. Okay. Gertrude Yorks is a purple-haired, bespectacled, contemporary riot girl. And it's Gers, and his girl spelled G-R-R-R-L. Nice. Because fuck me. Just uh, let me at, just, look, just fucking, yeah, look. just take that power drill and stick it right in between my toenails. Nice. Looking forward to this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. It was only a matter of time. <sighs> only a matter of time, unfortunately. Although it's weird because they haven't really ways, which is fucking weird in the comics for a long ass time. Like I know the characters have been popping up things, and there was that small little mini series during Secret Wars, but other than that, they haven't revisited that series for whatever reason which i'm surprised because i think it it was a you know 
it was a fairly well received series that I don't know why they didn't. Yeah, it's fucking great. It. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. Anyway, then final thing. So screen junkies, uh, they had announced. They had said, "Hey, we have yeah confirmation that Robert Zemeckis is in talks to direct the Flash movie for Warner Brothers." The what movie? The Flash movie. Oh no! Uh, yep, and shortly after that was set out there, um, Umberto Gonzalez. Of the rap and heroic Hollywood, uh, said, "Yeah, no, that ain't happening." He had he had a talk, he had a meeting, but he's not in talks, which led to a big old back and forth between him and Andy Signor of Screen Junkies. With Andy like, "Yeah, we have confirmation, did," and then Barrett's like, "No, nah, we don't." <laughs> I have no fucking idea what's happening with this. All I can say is don't. Just don't. Just stop, please. DC, please stop. You You can't win. I like the kid that they casted as a Flash show in that movie. I, I've seen him in other things that guy. He's pretty good. I don't know if he's going to be a good Flash, but I liked him in other things I've seen him in. It's still DC. It's still fucked. Yeah. Yeah, I've seen like a couple I've seen like a couple of bits of him like and he seems like he could be a good Flash if it was any other studio infrastructure making it. Right. Yeah, I know it's a shit. I, that, that's the thing. I've seen who it was. I was like, "Oh, okay, that kid." I'm good but that that doesn't translate always well to the screen especially in a superhero movie especially a dc superhero movie so so yeah you know yeah i i feel bad for this guy (laughs) ezra miller ezra miller the guy playing the flash seems all right from what i've seen him out there doing stuff he seems all right It's just he, everybody who's in charge of handling the Flash's anything, has fucked him so hard. Yeah. Like, like the way that he was announced, when he was announced, everything leading up to him get being a full actual thing in a movie. Anyway, let's move on. <laughs> Too much to talk about, unfortunately. And that's going to be it for this week. <laughs> All right. So you even mentioned the atrocity of the Inhumans. Thanks for reminding me, Birdie. <laughs> hey, if I have to remember it, so do you. The image had just left my mind. So thank you for this. You're welcome. So a teaser was released for the Inhumans, the upcoming TV series that nobody asked for about characters that, as far as I can tell, nobody really likes. Yeah, no, they just tell Marvel another thing Marvel needs us to. Who cares? Wait, I'm beginning to hear. I'm beginning to hear something wafting over the horizon. 
the sound sound of fucking piggy banks being smashed as Marvel says, our bank accounts do. <laughs> I thought you were gonna say it was a Terrigen mist. <laughs> so yeah, the humans are getting their own TV show. And we also got a first look at the main cast, our main royal family. We got Black Bolt, we got Medusa, we got Black Bolt's crazy ass brother, and they look fucking terrible. Yep. It is kind of astonishing how bad they look. Like they you have to try to look that bad. Oh, I haven't seen that. I'm gonna look it up right now. Let me see this. Let's see if I can find it first. Yeah, yeah, if you can find it, because I, I I nothing I haven't seen anything yet. There we oh, go. Wait, is this it? Entertainment Weekly? Is yep. this it? Oh wow! Medusa looks horrible, right, dude? Like fucking god! Is that is that supposed to be? Who's is Karnak the guy with the tribal stuff on his face? I think so. Uh, Like maybe I don't know. Like I don't know what. That's the only person I could I I can think who that is. Like who's supposed to be Gorgon? Oh hey. Hey, is that the guy from the Misfits show? Yeah, it yes, is. it is. The guy from Game of Thrones. Yeah. Yeah, huh. he's playing. He's playing Black Bolt's brother, whose name escapes me all the time. Oh, um, I'm pretty sure he is anyway. Yeah, he was in Hickman's. Yeah, that looks like him actually. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, I forgot his name too. Uh, uh, I like that guy. Usually, that's a bad thing. Choice Maximus. Him, I think. Yeah. Okay, like well, there's what's her name, the one that has Lockjaw, um, Medusa's sister or whatever. Crystal, or just daughter, daughter, Crystal, yeah. Yep, sister, and you guys remember the royal family? Control the elements. I'm on the Wikipedia page. Yeah, yeah, that looks bad. She looks really bad though. And then oh, and Lockjaw will be appearing in the series. Do- Go ahead. I was about to say, I was about to say, so no lockjaw, but wouldn't it be fun if they try to introduce Kamala Khan into this? <laughs> yeah. It'll, it'll be the fucking Secret Wars Kamala Khan where she's the fucking stooge to the fucking king and queen. Because we can't have anything good. Yeah. I should also just say, like, this week's issue of Miss Marvel had. Ms. Marvel defeating an evil sentient computer virus by making everybody in MMO like really nice to each other. <laughs> I liked this last arc of uh, Ms. Marvel a lot, actually. Uh, yeah, I then, enjoyed it. <laughs> the next issue looks the next issue they're gonna looks they're gonna be starting an arc or at least a one shot of like her and trying to deal with her like trying to deal with the horrible shit that happened with Bruno. Okay. Which yeah, I'm fucking like- totally down for. It's it's still been good. It's it's still yeah. been very good. Yeah, that's yeah. the thing. Like even with everything else on Marvel catching fire, like Ms. Marvel is still doing really well. Yeah. yeah. If you're listening to this and you've been wondering why we haven't been still great, that's why. It's still it's still a great series. Yeah. Yeah. And it hasn't it hasn't really been like interestingly good in a while. It's just kind of been like, you know, hey, this is pre- this is pretty good. Yeah, I like this last arc a lot. So anyway. That is going to do for this week. Thank y'all for joining us. We'll be, we'll be back in two weeks' time with an episode of the Destro Prods.com comic podcast. 
in between now and then, though, maybe people maybe people release good books. Who the fuck knows? I don't. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> in between now and then, though, we'll be having our regular run news, baby reviews, podcasts, all kinds of bullshit. But until then, I am dead. And I am Birdie. I'm Nico. We'll see you guys next time.